Hey, this is Chavo Guerrero Jr. And you're watching Then Wrestling Connection. Viva la raza! All right, guys, hopefully that helped. Uh, maybe you can uh, cut that down. But I want to say to Glenn and Chris, thanks a lot, guys, for being fans. And um, I guess uh, I met one of uh, you guys, uh, Chris, a while ago. I saw that picture, so very cool. I could tell by the shirt kind of what it was. It's probably TNA days, something right around there. But um, big thanks for being uh, fans, guys, and um, being fans of wrestling. Right now, it's a cool time to be a good to be wrestling fans uh, with uh, not only WWE but Ring of Honor and AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know, so uh, I just want to say um, thanks for support of uh, the Guerrero family, me, Chop Guerrero. Um, hopefully, one of these days I'll be able to buy you guys a beer. Hopefully, you're of age. Maybe when you're not, then when you get of age. But be safe, guys. God bless. Thanks for watching, man. Good luck to you guys in your podcast. Um, it's a cool thing. And uh, God bless, guys. And viva la raza. episodes, another week, another day in the trench, another Christmas in the trenches. What <laughs> warmed up for me. Doing a podcast, you are. <laughs> that, was, that was excellent, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> I've not done much prep for this one, um, because I think last time we did live event stories, I did so much prep. I, I went a bit mental, so I've not done any. Yeah, all mine was yeah. just left over, so I've just got my old document up. Yeah, me too. Yeah, same. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Wrestling Connection with me, Chris, and him, Glenn. And we've got a very, very exciting episode for you all today. Thank you very much for tuning in and for downloading and for listening and for streaming wherever you are around the world. We greatly appreciate you listening and tuning in on this fine, fine day. A lovely summery spring type day today, am I right? Uh, you are right, Chris. It's a gorgeous day. I am wearing my shorts for the first time in what feels like forever. That is the sound of me slapping a leg. Uh, <laughs> and true to Judy style. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, so, yeah. I was wearing my shorts, but uh, I had to go change because my legs were getting a little bit cold. But um, um, it, it, does, it, helps. it helps with this whole lockdown business. You know, having a bit of yeah. nice weather makes it a bit more bearable. What I can't bear is the fact that it's now been three months since I've had a haircut and it's, it's getting out of control. <laughs> well, uh, so, you know, I've got kind of longish hair, not longish hair, but like, I don't have short hair. Um, no. I, uh, well, I see where, I before, like earlier on this year, I was going really short with my hair, but then I thought, okay, well, I'm not going to need a haircut before lockdown. It's not going to last that long. No. Um, so my dad bought like sort of clippers, like a sort of razor sort of thing. And he's like, oh, well, how bad is it going to be? I'm just going to cut a little bit of, you know, our hair off, you know, for the next couple of months. And I was like, yeah, that's, that makes sense. So this past week he done it, he went all the way around my ears and right to like the back of my head and that sort of thing. And then like mm-hmm. the bit where my hair kind of meets at my kind of crown, I've got like really thick hair. It was mm-hmm. just like, he doesn't know what to do. He's not a barber, you know. <laughs> he's nope. like, I no, don't know what to British. do. <laughs> <laughs> he's not British, no. So mm-hmm. I've been running about with like flappy hair for the past couple of days, but it's okay because no one can see me. This is a podcast. 
Yeah, this is true. Uh, for me, it's it's just getting annoying. And like my wife is offering to trim it for me because she's developed a, an unhealthy obsession with grooming the dog. Like she's been okay. trimming the dog a lot during lockdown. Um, she's getting pretty good at it, to be honest. Uh, but I found myself the other night Googling how to do the CM Punk 2011 hairdo because I'm sick right. of it being in my eyes. So uh, I'll send you a picture, Chris. It is not going on any of our Instagrams. Uh, well, it has for- to now. For t- <laughs> mushroom. Uh, for two full days, I uh, had the slick back CM Punk hairdo. But the thing is, Punk just looked cool with it. The man is a handsome man. Yeah. He had a good face for it. I do look like I'm going through some kind of crisis. Right. <laughs> a lockdown crisis, an isolation crisis. I know. So it's not going to be a permanent change. I'm not going to be begging our good friend of the show, Jamie Sweeney, to redo my hair on our artwork just so I look like CM Punk circa 2011. <laughs> Watch this space. It's going to happen. If I had like, tattoos on your neck and stuff, that'd be very funny. Oh, um, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a big week. It's been a long week. And uh, first things first, before we go any further, we've got lots to get into this week. But um, we just want to send a special shout out to... Ooh, Chavo! Brilliant lad, Chavo Guerrero, wrestling royalty. Yeah, opening up the show this week. Thank you so much to Chavito. How cool was that? That was so cool. It was. I've. I like the fact that we've been able to do this beforehand with like Coach and Santino is cool. But Mm. to get Chavo on then reach the wrestling connection was. uh, Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah. So I need to like. So first of all. Chris is right. Chavo is a legend. He just comes across as such a nice guy. He did that really quickly for us as well. Uh, and like he, you know, there are there are guys and girls in the industry who do that, who just do it to make a quick buck, and they don't put a lot of time into it. But Chavo went over and above. He did more than what we we asked him for. Uh, but I wonder if it. I don't know if it's my fault or not for doing a typo. But he did accidentally refer to our show as then Wrestling Connection. Uh, I wonder why. I don't, don't know, know what I mean. Like, it's not as if it makes more sense that way. No, but do you know what? He he went for it, and it's my favorite so far. So uh, yeah. I don't know how you top that, but uh, I'm a big fan of Chavo. Thank you so much, Chavito, the Mexican. Well, player. Chavo may or may not uh, appear later on in the show. So again, thank you very much to Chavo Jr. Um, in terms of watching stuff this week in the wrestling world, what have you been checking out? Uh, my 2002 marathon continues. So um, oh, I love it. even just today, I finished what I, I I've always known, and you know as well as I do, how good Vengeance O2 is. Uh, yeah. But my God, I'd forgotten how good it was. That was the first ever wrestling DVD that I had. Um, after you know the VHS had started to die a death. So it was really yeah. cool to revisit that. And you can still tell that they're kind of figuring out little technical things all with the brand split. Like with have because they have Michael Cole and Taz do the first half of the show, including yeah, raw random. matches, and JR and King do the second half. There's still a few points where they slip up and say WWF instead of WWE. But yeah, the, the biggest highlight from what I've been watching this week has actually just been the arrival of the general managers, the arrival of Bischoff and the arrival of Stephanie. And one thing I'd like to give credit to is that everyone always points to Bischoff's arrival as being so monumental. And it was, it was shocking and it's so well done. And he is excellent. You know, he is excellent in that role. And in those first couple of weeks I've been watching, he's brilliant. But I think Stephanie deserves a lot of credit here because she shows up in that first episode of SmackDown as the new GM. 
She's clearly got a terrible like cold or flu because she can barely talk, but she still gives it her all. She's supposed to be a baby face, but only a couple months beforehand was she on TV getting booed out the building, still playing the, the spoiled billion dollar princess character. And yeah. now she's the kind of dignified and strong and ruthless uh, GM who supports the good guys and, and is, is, you know, a totally different Stephanie. And when she first shows up, the, the fans want to boo her. The fans want to chant the obscene names at her. But she very quickly gets them on her side. And then at Vengeance 02, she was excellent. And she's actually, I'm going to say this, she's cool. I, like, I yeah. think she's really cool in that role. So uh, since I've been doing this marathon, it's been the first time in the world that I've actually been like excited to see the next Raw SmackDown because the brand extension is really coming in into its own. So that, yeah. that's been my summer row two. We're now on the build up to SummerSlam. So it's all goodness from here. We're about to get the debut of Rey Mysterio. So hell yes. Forward to. What about you, and, Chris? What uh, are you you're, watching? you're just on the cusp of one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time, SummerSlam 02. What a screamer oh, of a show. Um, I love the brand split. And also, uh, in terms of Vengeance 2, I remember having, like, I, I taped that pay-per-view and I like, put it onto a, recorded it onto a tape, but it's such mm-hmm. bad quality. Um, and I believe when I went to look at it a few years ago, it yeah. actually only cuts in and it starts in the segment where, like, Shawn Michaels is there and, like, he, brilliant and, and segment. he's trying to recruit him to Raw. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, I just I just love that time. I love the brand split. I love when they stick to it. They're, they're already in WWE now in, like, the 2020 stuff. They're already introducing a way to try and get Raw and SmackDown stars to integrate. I don't want that to happen. They need no. to fully commit, and it will work if they just give it time. That bloody wild card rule will not die. I get why they're doing it now because it's a different time, and you know yeah. they're they're worried about ratings with the various superstars who can't perform for various reasons. But now I'm with you. I think like I remember so fondly, like 2002 to I'd say about 2007, eight. You know that kind of peak of the brand extension where it really was exclusive and it was very unusual for them to cross paths and it meant yeah. that you looked really looked forward to the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania to oh. see that crossover between Raw and SmackDown. It made it feel special and it made it feel big. And um, even when they did it in 2016 with the brand split and then they did like that, the first kind of rumble in 2017 in that big kind of stadium. Yeah. Even that felt as if like, oh, here's a SmackDown guy and here's a Raw guy. So mm. it's, uh, it's 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 cool. I, I don't mind the idea of a wild card rule where someone can come over once in a while and have a match. That's fine. But it's when yeah. it's all the time and it's everybody's coming over and everybody's on both shows, it kind of defeats the purpose. And the, the whole point of a brand split, I mean, essentially was to give yourself competition. But the main reason for it is so more people have time to shine and more people have TV time and yeah. you can create more styles. So I think it only makes sense to always have it considering the fact they have almost every wrestler under the, under the sun signed to a contract. So yeah, um, yeah. I'm all for the brand split. This week, I've been watching some TNA um, because of Conrad Thompson and Eric Bischoff. Um, they covered TNA Sacrifice 2010 on their podcast, oh, yeah. 83 Weeks. Highly recommend checking that episode out. Really good one. And what I love about this episode of 83 Weeks is that they don't just cover what they usually do when, when they do a pay-per-view. It's like match by match by match. Eric goes into detail. And let me you can say anything you want about Eric Bischoff, but the man is a genius. He, um, he, he just gets business. He gets money. He gets promotion. You know, maybe he's not got the, the smartest creative mind for the wrestling business, but in terms of putting together a product that will, you know, resonate with fans all over the world and, and, and be a TV show more than a wrestling company, he's all there. 
Um, so this was a really interesting listen talking about how like, the, the reason TNA didn't really quite take off as much as people assumed it would in 2010 yeah. because they didn't consider it as big of a deal as it should have been. Yeah, For example, n- like not going on the road, you know, always staying in the impact zone, you mm-hmm. know. Um, that's arguably what's hurting NXT right now. You've got the competition AEW, obviously not right now, but before the lockdown. We're running these big venues all over the country and NXT's in the same place every week. You know, what what, what show's going to feel more special, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. So, so Bischoff was going into that a good detail. Sorry, go on. I was just saying, I'm totally with you in what you're saying about Bischoff. Uh, I was thinking about this today because obviously Bischoff factors into what I've been watching this week. And you, yeah. you can say what you want about Bischoff, but the man is excellent. I think he is a great performer. I think he's a great businessman. The the as the you know as the GM of Raw, he was excellent. WCW isn't a strong point, but I only ever hear good things about well most of what he did as a character in WCW. I'm separating oh, yeah. that from what he did as a businessman because I know that's maybe a bit more uh, double sided. Um, but you know, we try to be positive in this podcast. We talk about how wrestling can connect us. And I think about a guy like Eric Bischoff. I look at him and I see him and look at his Twitter profile and I see him going about, you know, other things, politics and things like that. And it's clear to me that as as people and with values, we're probably two people that disagree on a lot of things. But the fact yeah. is, what connects us? Wrestling. Uh, when I met Eric Bischoff, I had a conversation with him about craft beer, like, and it was lovely. It was one of my better wrestling interactions. Um, yeah. And he's he's just, you know, uh, that's why I'm always so turned on to what our kind of concept is for this podcast is because it helps you look past what divides you and look at wrestling as this ridiculously wacky thing that connects us and bischoff's a great example of that he's maybe a guy that's had a questionable past with some of his business decisions him and i on a personal level definitely have different values but i i bet i could have a longer conversation with the guy and uh, i would love to because he's such an interesting guy and i have nothing but respect for him We'll need to tell that story soon of meeting Bischoff because we met we met him together. So that's right, um, yeah, yeah. So when it, your your um caller ID on my phone is your picture with Bischoff, um, is it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need to change it to the cartoon for the podcast. Anyway, um, so in terms of Bischoff, great performer on screen. I was actually disappointed when he was released of his you know of his contract most recently in WWE because they hired him as an executive director working behind the scenes. Whereas I would have hired him for an on-screen role because as a GM on camera, he was great and always entertaining from WCW, Raw, and TNA. Always a lot of fun on screen. So um, anyway, this this past week I checked out Sacrifice 2010. And uh, let me tell you this, a a really good show with a lot of good wrestling. But just a really interesting show um, and just some confusing decisions. The first match is a triple threat tag match. So you've got the Motor City Machine Guns versus Beer Money versus Team 3D, right? What mm-hmm. a stacked match. Yeah. And when I was watching that, I was like, are these three of the best tag teams ever? So you've got, you know, the Motor City Machine Guns, who were arguably the X-Division TNA-style team, you know, one of the yep. best teams in the world, yeah. a bit like a sort of an evolved style of, say, the Rockers or the Midnight Express or whoever from the past. Then you've got Beer Money, the best tag team in TNA history. And then you've got Team 3D, the Dudley Boys, one of the best tag teams of all time, you know? Of course. So yeah. um, just a, a great opener, so much fun, really easy to watch. And um, that kind of, those, those matches always help those TNA pay-per-views because they always got off to a really hot start. So then though, you, you start off in this really interesting opening match that hit you right in the face. Then you go to match number two, which was the freak Rob Terry versus Orlando Jordan. Oh my word. Uh, Orlando Jordan was doing this sort of gold dust 
Hollywood-esque eccentric character at the time, and he makes his entrance from the roof. And it was okay. just, it was just weird. He had like baby oil, and he was squirting all over his body. It was uh, an interesting character. He only lasted about a month in TNA, and I remember at the time going, "What on earth are we doing here?" So yeah. it's still weird watching all these years later, and it's not even. It's not, and Rob Terry, Rob, Ter- I mean, Rob Terry is huge. He's massive. He's, he's, yeah. he's so jacked. And you'd imagine someone like him would be a star, but he's just he's got no personality, he has no selling ability whatsoever in this match. And I'm just like, what what went wrong there? So that was an interesting one. He also had uh, Doug Williams versus Kazarian for the X Division title. At first, I was like, what was happening here? But it was actually a really good match. I'm glad I watched that. Then yeah. for the TNA Women's Championship, which of course was the Knockouts title, it was uh, Madison Rain, yeah, defending against Tara who was known as Tara in TNA, but of course as Victoria from WWE. Yes, of course. Uh, and Victoria in this video package. So I, I I don't remember this pay-per-view at all, but in the video package, it kind of helps you catch up and gives you context to the match. And uh, it was all about Tara saying she's not getting respect from the, the women's division. And if I can't beat Madison Rain, and if I can't win the title again to get respect, I'm going to retire. And I was like, oh, what a cheap storyline. But it turns out this was our last match. Yeah. This was our retirement match, Sacrifice 2010. So I was like, all right, well, that's, you know, cool to watch this, you know. And we can. she's a great wrestler. She's always been really, really good. Um, yeah. Always been one of my favorite divas, you know, back in the day. And yeah. she adds a lot of legitimacy to this knockouts division. 100%. And, uh, in terms of Madison Rain, I was like, well, there's some sort of context to why I like Madison Rain. Then uh, the entrance happens. And it was Madison Rain, Lacey Von Eric, and Velvet Sky. They were the beautiful people. And... Uh, I, th- I was like, why Why did I like them so much? And I remember in 2010, I was 14 years of age. Mm-hmm. Oh, my word. <laughs> oh, dear. This is why they do the entrance. It's unbelievable. And then Taz, I don't know if you remember this, Taz would shout, let the pigeons loose. <laughs> oh, Jesus. No, I wasn't familiar enough with TNA at the time to... to... What does that mean? You know, it's 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 like a rocket buster of an expression. Yeah, I yeah, bet he, yeah, he yeah. must have coined that in his Wee Warehouse from the Hardcore DVD. Ah, uh, yeah, I oh, I remember at the time loving that phrase. I bought a T-shirt, a Velvet Sky T-shirt that said "Let the pigeons loose" on it, and I used to say, it, "I mean, it was like my Twitter bio was just at CM42 TV. Let the pigeons loose." So uh, I don't know why, but it's ridiculous. That's what I've been watching this week in terms of TNA. Um, nice one. <laughs> Victoria was great, that, wasn't she? She, oh, she, even in this match, our last match, she's awesome. She was really good, and I loved her kind of 2002 angle of Trish, that hardcore oh, match of Survivor Series. Brilliant. And I also have always had a lot of time for the Triple Threat at WrestleMania 19. I mean, it's quick. Right. It doesn't get a lot of time because it was a women's match in the early noughties, but mm-hmm. uh, it's really showcased how great those three women were. It was Trish, Jazz, and Victoria. Um, yeah. and they it was a fast paced but it was a it was a really good technical match as I recall and it was the first time I really because that WrestleMania 19 was when I was 12 it was probably the first time I really appreciated women's wrestling on like a fair level as as we would nowadays yeah I'd say actually the match at Survivor Series 2002 might be one of my favourite women's title matches ever yeah Trish that was Victoria. a real give, give divas a chance moment that's when they were giving them yeah. a chance there the problem at that time was that it just wasn't happening enough but that was a that was a really fun match yeah i love the theme song as well the tattoo song <laughs> oh, yeah all the things yeah, you said exactly. all the things you said running through my head 
Brilliant, that was your, that was your <laughs> rendition sample. of the week. There's been a few renditions you've done over the last few weeks. I wanted to just sample them all together and I have what a new segment called Chris Sings. You, you did uh, Reverend Devon, you've done a few things. I can't remember <laughs> what the other ones were, but you, you do seem to sing a lot, which I like. I can sing, but I'll do the theme songs. Nice um, yeah, so there you go. I, oh, I did uh, Lonely Train last week from Smitten vs. Raw. Give us uh, what you're thankful for this week. What I'm thankful for in wrestling this week. Oh, yeah. So we drink of water whilst the jingle plays. Nice. <laughs> um, this is uh, thematic from things I've been thankful for in previous weeks, kind of like the way you've been doing it. Uh, I'm thankful for wrestling up autobiographies, Chris. Yep, love it. Uh, and it's funny because it's, it, it doesn't seem fair to put those into just one category of wrestling autobiographies because as I'm cons- the way I see it is like I feel like there's two different types of wrestling autobiography. There's the the very few that are uh, written by the wrestlers themselves. So, you know, Mick mm-hmm. Foley's, Edge's, Bret Hart's, like they actually wrote their own books. The vast majority of them are done by ghostwriters. But even the ghostwritten ones, there are some really good ones there. And kind of like in the same way Power Slam helped me with my literacy and reading in my kind of early teens and throughout my teenage years, Going back even before then, wrestling books and autobiographies did that. The first non-fiction book that I ever read from cover to cover was The Rock Says. Uh, right. And, uh, you know, looking back on it, like, there, there is so much, like, bad language and sex and stuff in that book. I mean, it's the life of Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. Uh, like, that, it's amazing that I read it. And I think I read it in, like, six days on a family holiday. And it became this thing where I would get a different wrestling book for any time I was going on a holiday. So, um, you know, most of a lot of the ones I used to have, I've gotten rid of. But as a kid, I, I think I read The Rocks. I read all of McFoley's and Lita's, Jerry Lawler's, Kurt Angle's, The Hardy Boys, Eddie Guerrero, Shawn Michaels. Um, I remember once getting really annoyed with my dad because I was in the library, uh, like local to where I used to live when I was a kid. Uh, and I wanted to get jo- uh, Joni Laura at China's out mm-hmm. and uh, he wouldn't let me do it because there was this kind of big picture of her in the front and she, it wasn't like a sexualized picture but he just kind of took one look at her and said no you're not getting that and i, I took yeah. a tantrum in bear's den library when i was a little boy <laughs> because like i couldn't get <laughs> china's autobiography um but it'd probably you know, be an interesting year, read though i bet it would be and it's one of those ones i'd love to go back to i um would thoroughly recommend mick foley's books have a nice day, Folio's good Harker Diaries and Count Into Lockdown, like his four autobiographies. I would recommend those to like anyone. Um yep. I'm definitely going to talk about Mick and Meet a Wrestler down the line. But those books are excellent. And now in my shelf, I don't have as many autobiographies wrestling-wise as I used to. I mainly only have my signed ones. So I've got uh, Jim Ross's, a Foley one, I've got uh, Brett's from when I met him, Pat Patterson's. Um and like those are all like worth the read but they're all of kind of like varying quality but i just like i remember as a kid like being really taken in by eddie guerrero's story of redemption you know going through his addiction problems and coming out the other side um and i read about that in his book the same for Shawn michael's first book heartbreak and triumph and hearing about his sort of redemption story uh and those are stories so my love of storytelling uh, was kind of entrenched through these wrestling autobiographies so like it's it's quite a, a brief one, I guess, but I'm just uh, really grateful that those exist and that they still come out. 
Um, and I'm always looking out for new ones. Daniel Bryan's got one out, and it's been out for a few years now, and I've still not taken a look at it. Oh, man. Yeah, it's so good. It's one of my favourites. Is it? I'll definitely check it out. This year, I've read both of JR's, uh, Slobberknocker and Under the Black Hat. Uh, and like, I can't criticize them. The only thing I would have done is I would have put them both together and released them as one big, big fat book. That's what right. I wanted from a JR autobiography, but they are good. The 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 first one's quite you know moving uh, as his life story up to WrestleMania 15, and then the most recent one, which I think you were reading this year as well, haven't you? Yep, yeah, it's great. Um, that's really moving as well because that takes you through like most of his WWE years and beyond, and and losing his wife Jan so I found that really quite moving so you know because it's helped me like develop a love of reading and just because as a wrestling fan you're interested in the stories that these guys have guys and girls have to tell uh, mm-hmm. so this week I am I am grateful for wrestling autobiographies are there any ones that stand out in your memory that you've read well we have so much in common I used to do that as well when I was to, you know go on holiday I would always try and get a wrestling book to take with me you know and I would mm. read it by the pool or on the balcony or wherever we were staying you know uh, right. Or on the plane. Um, my favourite ones, I think the Hardcore Diaries is underrated. Um, oh, God, yeah. I think people always talk about having a nice day, and rightfully so, but I think Hardcore Diaries gets overlooked a little bit. Um, I love all of Jericho's. I've read all of Jericho's book, but my favourite Jericho book is the fourth one, the one that most recently came out, which I believe is called Noah's a Four-Letter Word. Uh, and I read it when I was in Orlando in 2018, and I read it the whole time I was there, cover to cover. And I just couldn't put it down that he talks about the creation of his podcast. He talks about his evolution of his character and, what, and he, he kind of does um, certain steps. I can't remember if it's 20 steps or 28 steps or something, but like every chapter is like um, lots of different ideas of how to be successful in life, how to you know take a dream that you had and make it into a career, that sort of thing. And it's not so much of a self-help book. It's just another way to kind of do another book without it being another autobiography per se. It's just a different book written by him. But um, but I loved it. I thought it was really, really good. I'd recommend that to everybody. Um, I, I remember reading The Heartbreak and Triumph when I was younger. I read that in English in school. Uh, nice. I remember being in Mr. McNulty's class and reading that every every, epi- every episode, every lesson. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I'd recommend Daniel Bryan's, as I said, Under the Black Hat. I thought it was incredible. But one that I think is underrated is uh, Best Seat in the House by Justin Roberts. Okay. Um, I was going to download the audiobook of that recently. Um, I was tempted by that, uh, but I just wasn't sure. So I'm really keen to hear what you have to say about it because that may sway me now. Because his is a story I, I'd be interested in. I've actually met him as well, so it'd be really cool really? to hear his story. Yeah. Well, it's it's a wrestling book like I've never read before because he's not a wrestler. You know, it's yeah. um, a totally different point of view from going through the ringer with Vince to never getting his job right to his voice being completely broken at points to him being bullied by jbl to him having great experiences on ecw and it's just it's like it's so candid it's so in detail he's taking notes and pictures of everything he's ever done and it goes right up into his last day under contract it's really really good and it's it's a total sleeper because you think justin roberts like wrestling autobiography but it's awesome and um i'd I'd definitely recommend checking out and i'd even like just get the book because um, I don't know who reads the audiobook, but in my opinion, if it's not the actual author, it can't, I, I, I don't like the audiobook if it's not read by the writer. Yeah, Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm with you there. <clears throat> Thankfully, it is Justin that reads it, and All right, I'm good. so glad that he, like JR does his own audiobooks as well, because you don't oh, want anyone such a to read JR's story if it's not yeah. him. Uh, like uh, Brock Lesnar had a book out called Death Clutch, which I've never read. But when I was on Audible, because like I, I read physical books, but I also like audiobooks as well. I'm a big believer in that. And uh, I, I was, you know, perusing Justin Roberts and some of the other ones that are out there. 
uh, and I came across Death Clutch, and I thought, please, please, please tell me that Brock Lesnar's <laughs> read his own book. I'm not a superstar. I'm an ath kither. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like that's maybe uh, an over-exaggerated Brock Lesnar. But you know the guy doesn't have the most aggressive-sounding voice for such a monster. You know, I'm going to leave him in a pile of blood and urine and vomit. <laughs> what the hell? But no, it's a... You 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 download the sample like the demo the demo like the the, the sampler of the the Lesnar autobiography and it's just like how I became the WWE champ you know it's like it's like this the other guy reading his yeah, story yeah yeah so yeah it's um that's something something I'll definitely uh, bear in mind uh, I would I, I totally agree with what you're saying about um the hardcore diaries that's totally underrated it's quite a sad story that one yeah but it's um. But, but Foley is just such a good writer. I, I feel so yeah. in debt to him for for what he's contributed that way. What about uh, what about Bischoff's? I've never read Bischoff's. Do you know that controversy creates cash? Yeah, I mean, uh, either, but I heard it's great. Okay, okay. Oh, that, that's another one that's on the list. There's so many. Kane's one just came out. That that would probably be a great read. You can imagine. The, he does his own audiobook as well. Just throwing that out there. Oh, uh, I, the thing is, I'm only interested in his wrestling career i think some of it's to do with his political career which i'm sure would be interesting but i'm not as interested in that as i am obviously you know but maybe i'm just scarred still from the time that i met him and if you don't know why i'm scarred folks just go back a few weeks in the podcast i forget which episode it was chris will tell me Uh, episode two i believe We'll go to what a them. lovely problem to have. We're X amount of weeks in and we haven't a clue what happened in what Exactly. Episode. Exactly. Yeah. I've I've never read Brett's book either, um, because I it's so big. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a daunting one. Uh and look forward in weeks to come, folks. I'll tell you the story about how I met Brett, and that was another disaster of an encounter with a wrestler. Yeah. But he did sign my book for me, so there you go. Cool. And uh, the Young Bucks have one coming out later in the year, which I think will be a fascinating story as well. So that'll, that'll be, be my next one to read yeah. anyway. For sure. Um okay, we're good to move on. Yeah, absolutely. It's time for the match of the week. Wrestling recommendations. Wrestling recommendations. Wrestling recommendations. Match of the week. Ooh yeah. So I have broke my own. Oh, sorry. I should I should start again. I have broke our rules this week. <gasps> um, and I, I know that you are a man of principle. You agree with going by the book. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. The previous discussion. <laughs> um, but I have uh, decided to change match of the week into matches of the week. <gasps> Chris, and, uh, <laughs> you're breaking the code of then wrestling connection. <laughs> then wrestling connection. Uh, this is my recommendation for this week for everybody to go and check out. It is WWE No Mercy 2007. Okay. Do you have any any um, memories think- of this pay-per-view? Uh I it's blanking. Um, no, no, you're gonna have to help me because I keep thinking about Survivor Wait. Series 2007 with Edge's return. This okay. is the previous month. Two months. Oh no, two months no, previous. I do remember it. I remember it. it it's the um, it's the it's the John Cena's injury and Randy and Triple yes. H. Yes, yes. what? That's like, I had that on DVD. That's a great. I'm gonna show up. This is your segment. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> this has always been one of my favorite pay per views of all time. And I've not seen it in ages. And I thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm done on this kind of 2007 kick as I've been talking about the past few weeks. Let's, you know, we've come up yeah. to it now. Let's check it out. But I was going to, it was like midnight one night and uh, I just watched the film and I was going to start watching a new pay-per-view. And I thought, you know what? No, I'm going to have to watch this pay-per-view from start to finish because of the style of the show. 
Uh, and we love a certain pay-per-view on the Wrestling Connection, sorry, then Wrestling Connection, called yep, uh, King of the Ring 2001. And mm-hmm. it's because there is, you know, so many narratives going into that into that show. And it's one continuous story after another. You know, there's, there's, I can think right off the top of my head, there's three stories in that show. There's Shane McMahon trying to tire out Kurt Angle before their match. There's uh, DDP trying to get The Undertaker to make him famous. And there's uh, Stone Cold uh, defending the title against Benoit and Jericho. And the rumours are that one of either Jericho or Benoit are going to defect to the Alliance. And uh, it's like these three stories in the one show. And it's like you need to watch it start to finish because it it's literally takes you on a roller coaster of the entire show. Yeah, the it's only, like watching a play. Absolutely. It's like it's watching like a film, but in terms of in, in a wrestling sort of environment. Uh, and I'm sure there's other shows like that in terms of tournaments, King of the Rings, and that sort of thing. But this No Mercy 2007 is the closest thing I can find to it. Because if, for those who don't know, John Cena was on this year-long title run. Nobody could yeah. beat Cena. He was unbeatable. People were starting to resent him. He was having great matches, but people couldn't see past the fact he would always win. Uh, and he it was a, a whole year, 370-odd days, I think, he was champion. And uh, then he's in this feud with Randy Orton, where Randy Orton is transitioning from Legend Killer to Viper, and yeah. uh, Randy Orton is starting to end people's careers, and he attacks John Cena's father, and he punched John Cena's dad in the head, and it's this big personal rivalry, and it was going to blow off at No yeah. Mercy 07 in a last-man-standing match. Well, in a match with Mr. Kennedy on Raw, John yeah. Cena, uh, I don't know what it is. Does he dislocate his collarbone or his or his shoulder or something was like that? This, was this not the injury that kept him out into the Royal Rumble? So I think, what it was a bicep tear? Something like that. But it, it was like months, and he was out back in three months or whatever. Yeah, they were saying six months to a year. God, this is such a good show. Dude, I'm so grateful yeah. you brought this up. And so everyone's talking about how John Cena's going to be out for a year. You know, we're not going to see John Cena for for, for ages, months and months and months. And the fans are cheering and all that. It turns out that he'd just be back in January a few months later. He is an absolute monster. Yeah. Um, but and this show starts out with Vince McMahon in the ring with the WWE title, and he's like, "Well, John Cena's hurt. He's been on this sort of year-long run. It's kind of all been for nothing. We need to crown a new champion tonight." And everyone's expecting this big sort of reveal. What's going to happen? Maybe a new championship belt. What's the match going to be? People are chanting Y2J because they of think course. that Jericho's going to come back, but he doesn't come back till the next month. But then Vince just says, here's your new champion, Randy Orton, because of everything that he's done to John Cena's family. And Randy Orton comes out. He has all this pyro. He looks amazing. He's got the, the rev, no, not the Rev Theory song, the Mercy Drive song, Burning My Light. Yeah, uh, I love that He just song. looks brilliant. He's got the title and he's starting to say how People are, are, are not equal to him and Randy Orton's going to be the best champion of all time. And then Triple H interrupts him and Triple H challenges him to a match for the WWE title right here, right now. So they end up having this sort of impromptu match to open the show. And in about 10 minutes, a great 10 minutes, great opening match, Triple H wins the title. And it's Amazing. just like, oh, it's so unexpected and it's, it's brilliant. So then uh, later on in the show, Triple H was supposed to wrestle Umaga. So Vince still sanctions the match, but now it's for the title. So you get a second WWE title match in the same show. Triple H beats Umaga. And then Vince says, we promised these people a last man standing match. So tonight it's going to be Triple H versus Randy Orton in a last man standing match in our third WWE title match of the night. And uh, from the main event of the show is that last man standing match for the title. And Orton regains the title at the end of the night. So he starts the night being awarded and he ends the night winning it against Triple H. It's such a good story. It's such a beautiful narrative of Vince McMahon's kind of jealousy to Triple H. Triple H being a real babyface at the time because Cena's out. 
and uh, Randy Orton just coming into his own as a true main eventer. And also you get Batista and the Great Cali in a Punjabi prison match, which doesn't go unnoticed. So um, yeah, yeah, uh, really good show. One. Dude, thank, like, seriously, in the X amount of weeks that we've been doing then Wrestling Connection, we've had a lot of great stuff recommended, but that's my favorite because I have that had been erased from my memory, and I love that show because I remember being 16 years old and remembering the build-up to that show and being quite excited for Orton and Cena. Um, yeah. And here's the thing. There's been a few times now in the history of WWE in our lifetime where last-minute injuries and stuff have, have meant that they've had to change the plans very close to the show. That We saw this with WrestleMania this year when Roman understandably pulled out of the show and uh, yeah. Braun took his place. Um, but I don't think, apart from maybe the, the night that they, they threw Balor and AJ together and they had Kurt Angle oh, join yeah. the Shield, I don't know if there's maybe been as great an example of them dealing with it as well as they did at this show. Um, credit to Triple H for going out and having three really good matches and I just remember yep. first of all loving the novelty of there being three title matches and two title changes in the one night but also well three if you count Randy getting awarded the title at the beginning Yeah. Um, but also just thinking that Triple H looked so weird with Cena's spinner belt I always thought that because like Triple really? H was like a like a yeah I mean it became normal eventually because he would go on yeah. to hold that belt a bit more uh, over the next couple of years but up until that point, as you say, that was the Cena's reign. And so it was Cena's belt, and Cena had held it for a year. He he was at that point the only person, apart from Edge very briefly, mm. to have held that title. And RVD. So, oh, yeah. Shiitake Mushroom. I forgot about RVD. Well, um, again, very briefly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's right. But So th- those were very brief champions. So I still kind of felt in my smarky 16-year-old heart of hearts that they would scrap the spinner belt when someone else more, I don't want to say legit, but someone who's more like in the mold of a traditional, traditional wrestler. Yeah. yeah, would they would go back to the Undisputed model title um, yeah. because the video games still had it, you know? Uh, and so just as like the smoking skull was Austin's belt, but you know, it, you know, very few uh, other people like Mick Foley and the rock, but very few other people actually held that belt. Um, like they would, they would get rid of it, but sure as hell, you know, Orton kept the spinner belt and, you know, it was just weird seeing triple H with it. And then, like I say, that image became a bit more normal in the years to come. Same with when punk held it as well. But yeah, I love that show. And I love the fact that there, there's those free, excellent matches that is an excellent recommendation so i will not break the rules again but there you go no mercy 2007 is what you should check out this week and you should watch it in the one go because it, it just as if it's live you know sitting there enjoying the story and taking it all in and seeing three great title matches you know um, absolutely really a really good show definitely check it out good good uh chris before we move on with the rest of the podcast do you know what time it is it's time once again for everybody to take a toilet break. Toilet break. Oh yeah. So uh, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes are doing a, a summer blockbuster movie tournament. Mm-hmm. So uh, currently in the semi-finals, quarterfinals? Yeah, semi-finals. Mm-hmm. We have Raiders of the Lost Ark versus Return of the Jedi. And Raiders. we have Empire Strikes Back versus The Dark Knight Rises. Empire, what versus the Dark Knight Rises? No competition. Yeah. Obviously, Empire. Idiots. Sorry, Dark Knight Rises has. Gentlemen, Dark Knight Rises has beaten Revenge of the Sith, Endgame, mm. and mm. Shrek Two. Right, I I could see it maybe defeating Revenge of the Sith by a ball here, but yeah. I, I'm I'm a big 
advocate of Revenge of the Sith. I don't know if you're into Star Wars Clone Wars, but I'm rewatching. I'm not rewatching. I'm watching it all for the first time on Disney Plus because the new, so the new season apparently goes in sync with uh, Revenge of the Sith, which I'm I'm psyched for, and that's the only reason why I'm watching it. And also because the protagonist apparently is going to show up in The Mandalorian. So, yes. uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to watch all that and then all of Rebels. That's kind of what I'm doing alongside my uh, watch along. Yeah. God, there's so much in common. Execute Order 66. Uh, this this should be on the podcast, I feel. I don't know if you intended us to be going at this point, but can you, can no. you just put that in? <laughs> I'll put it in. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> uh, are you, you, do, you sound a bit far away, Chris. Are you are you set up usually? Right. Or are you all good? Uh, how's this? That's, that's, that's the Chris I know and love. Um, uh, yeah, we're good. Um, now that we're back, are we, are we live, pal? We're live, pal. We're live, pal. So uh, thank you, folks, for the toilet break. Uh, I don't know why I'm thanking the listeners because they had nothing to do with it. But, you know, what I should do is thank my wife. If you were listening a couple of weeks ago, you would have noticed the new jingle. <laughs> yes, for toilet break. Uh, uh, that was an idea that just came to us randomly a few weeks back on the pod. And uh, my wife, being the musician that she is, loves a challenge. And she literally took our microphone into the bathroom and flushed the toilet for that toilet break jingle so you've got the authentic real deal there folks i hope you enjoy that there might there might also be another new jingle coming up chris well out of all the jingles that we have uh by bar none my favorite one is about to be played right now meet a wrestler we've met a wrestler in the flesh oh yeah so you need to do one. If we ever do another one, you need to, you need to change up the oh yeah. It needs to be something like oh yeah. <laughs> right? Can I tell the story quickly about oh yeah? Uh, like yeah, that that was supposed to be originally oh yeah, but I couldn't nice. get it right when I know I know I couldn't get it right though, and it wouldn't sound right on the microphone, so it became oh yeah, and I've kind of love it, but. You know, I, I'll shake it up because I, I don't know if you've ever been a fan of the Oh Yeah, Chris, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, of course I do. I, I'm a fan of anything you do, my friend. Right. Uh, we are in the segment. We're in Meet a Wrestler. And uh, this week, we it's, it's technically Glenn's turn because last week I talked about meeting Jeff Hardy and meeting Ric Flair and Jeff Jarrett in the TNA show. So I was sitting on my couch the other day and I was thinking about it and I was like, what a crazy, what a crazy time that was, you know, not expecting to see these people, RVD showing up, not expecting to meet these legends and then being all flustered, you know. So I went upstairs and I found the picture of me, you know, standing next to Jeff and I sent Glenn it and he found it, found it hilarious. Um, I'm all kind of like flustered and my, my face is all red and that sort of thing because uh, I've just met Jeff Hardy. Yeah. But I was sitting there thinking about that picture and then I realised, hang on a minute, 2011 that was youtube time i yeah. found a video of me meeting all of these wrestlers no does that exist there's a video of me walking down this table meeting jeff jarrett and matt hardy and mickey james and rvd and rick flair and jeff hardy and i've not cringed that much in ages sitting there Chris, watching this video not because you- of I like what I'm doing or what I'm saying just because of the situation because it, it completely yeah. caught me off guard not knowing they were all going to be there I'm just kind of mesmerised by everything <laughs> this is an order you must if I'm putting this bloody CM Punk hairdo thing on Instagram you're putting that video on the wrestling connect- everyone go to at wrestle connection is that our Instagram wrestle connection um, on Instagram um, uh, and you will hopefully see that video. I'm going to pester Chris until he 
adds it to the Instagram because that oh. sounds awesome. If you need to mute it, then mute the video, but put it yeah, up. People oh. love watching this stuff. Come on. So, so you can see in the video, uh, I remember I, I was telling you I had this Jeff Jarrett figure and yeah. uh, Matt Hardy was like, can I see it? <laughs> so I just like, so like say, he does something like, what, what's that you got there? And I'm just turning it around. I'm like, it's a Jeff Jarrett figure from uh, circa 1999 WCW. <laughs> and Matt just takes off me and they're all looking at it and stuff. And then Jeff, I forgot about this, Jeff is mid-yawn. And uh, I just said, can I, can I sign my belt, Jeff? And he's like, yeah, and he nods his head. And I, and I lift the belt off my shoulder and I give it to Jeff. And he's mid-yawn. And then he asked me if he wants me to sign it on the nameplate. And I, and I mean, like, I, I don't really, but it's Jeff Hardy, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, eh, yeah, I mean, if you want to send it there. You... <laughs> oh, Chris. And, and then the video cuts because my dad had to take the picture of me and Jeff, which Jeff, again, yeah. wasn't looking at the camera, but still. Um, it was just funny watching that video, and I was like, oh, my God, it's so cringy, but yeah. And I remember Mickey James being so overly nice. She was like, hi, how are you doing? And I was like, oh, God, what a, what a crazy time to be alive. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, apologize. I just had to announce the fact that I had that video. That's um, great. I can't. You have to show me it, and you have to show our listeners it. I'll show you it, but I'm not sure about listeners. Depends how the, the listeners, how many the listeners of Then Wrestling Connection, need to see it. <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll think about it. I'm just I'm nervous about what it, what it'll look like because it was on YouTube once upon a time, you know. So there's nothing wrong with it now. Anyway, uh, this week's meet a wrestler is uh, regarding who started the show for us this week, and that is Chavito. Uh, who? Ooh, Chavo. <laughs> That was a better one than me. I like this TNA <laughs> song. This TNA song like this. Nice. I'm going to do a CD. It's going to be a CD, I'm telling you. <laughs> not an album, a CD. <laughs> That's not outdated. Um, so technically... <laughs> what has happened to this podcast? I don't know. I mean, we were like when before we started this, we were like, we need to try and you know make it more snappy, and we'll, we'll stop taking so much time to do our segment. <laughs> we're nearly an hour in, and we haven't even started the main bit. Right, I'll, oh, I'll, I'll speed up. Speed up. So uh, for Chavo, so yes, I met Chavo in two thousand and twelve, and uh, the only reason I'm telling this story is because he did the intro for us, and I thought I'm I'm going to quickly tell it because it's a quick story. But Chavo was you know top five nicest wrestlers I've ever met. The whole situation about it, well, I don't know what company was doing it, but I believe it was called SWE, which stood for Scottish okay. Wrestling Entertainment. And cool. uh, I don't think they're in business anymore because I think there were some issues with the booker. Don't quote me on that, but I think the promoter was a bit of a a bit of a dafty. Um, right. So he was a kind of bigger set guy, had long hair, and he, of course he was the world champion and couldn't wrestle. Um <laughs> So, so they they did some shows around Perth kind of area. I'm not sure, but they definitely. And I don't know if you remember this around 2012 sort of time, but there was some news that the million dollar man Ted DiBiase has family in Scotland, and he wanted right. to invest in a wrestling company. So he invested into SWE. Don't know if you remember this. This this is blowing my mind. And all I can hear is the million dollar man saying that he would invest, but pulling some sort of scam to make money and then doing his notorious laugh. <laughs> so apparently so and apparently he went to like a few high schools and was like promoting the wrestling company in high schools. And uh, we used to, I used to have a pal on YouTube called Kieran. I've not spoken to him in ages. But he like uh, he met million dollar man came to his school and uh, there's a picture of Kieran in his uniform and he had, he's holding like the million dollar title, which is so random. Uh, so 
I don't think well, it went very well not... again. This, this company wasn't uh, isn't in existence anymore. But for yeah, this show, it must be one of our first shows, and it was called Hell for Lycra. And uh, in this show, we had Million Dollar Man. He was coming out to make a speech about the history of Scottish wrestling, which was hardly anything in twenty twelve. Yeah. And uh, he was going to bring a few of his friends. And uh, those people who were going to be, you know, the celebrities on the show were also going to do a signing. And his friends were okay. Gabo Guerrero, the legend that is Tatanka, nice. and, wait for it, Roddy Piper. So, <laughs> what a lineup. Yeah, random lineup. So uh, I thought, well, I need to go to the show. So I bought tickets to not only the show, but to the autograph signing. And really, I just wanted to meet Piper. And then go to the show after because I didn't know anybody in the show because it was it was no. this is what I mean about the company being quite dodgy. They didn't use any wrestlers that we know. You know, there's no Wolfgang, Lionheart, Red Lightning. It was all right. like really random guys you'd never heard of. A lot of people from England and Ireland, um, but it was still Scottish wrestling entertainment. But whatever. So right. I go in to this wee room, and uh, the four of them are lined up as in like sort of WrestleCon sort of style. Um, yeah. They're all in like a row. And uh, I went to Million Dollar Man first and I walked up to him and I shook his hand, that sort of thing. And um, I, he put the Million Dollar title around my shoulder and we took the picture and that was cool. But then I remember nice. when I was walking away from him, there was a wee kid that was going up after me. And the wee kid said, excuse me, can I hold the belt? And Million Dollar Man said, without breaking character, yes, you sure can, young man, but that'll be £10. <sighs> no way. He's always the million dollar man, brother. That's amazing. So, like, wait, he puts it on your shoulder for free. No, I had no, I had to, you had to pay for the signing, so I had to give him the money to take the picture. <clears throat> right. It was okay. like, no, but so they were there to make the money for themselves. It wasn't like a paid deal. It was like, you, if right, you want okay. a picture, you're not going to pay for it, sort of thing. So, did the kid pay an extra 10 pounds for the photo or just for the privilege of holding the million dollar title? I believe the photo and the title come in the one thing, you know? Right, mental though. God, what a hustler. Gotta love him. No, this wee boy, just telling him that, you know, £10, brother. So that was nice. funny. Then I met Tatanka. Tatanka didn't say anything. Um, but I walked up to him and he kind of like, he still had the hair and everything. It was weird. And um, wow. and he, he gave me like the sort of like high five sort of thing. That sort of, the, the, the man high five. It was like, like, yeah. Really intense. Really slapped my hand, you know, because he's a man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Then he, I went to let go of his hand and he didn't let go. And he's like, you want to take the picture like this? So in my picture with the tanker, I'm just like holding his hand. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're getting married. <laughs> you can see it in, in the picture. My face is kind of like, I was screwed up. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh my hand. <laughs> right, uh, that needs to go, go on Instagram as well. Yeah, well, all these are going on Instagram. Uh, yes. so then I went to go. Paper was next in line, but Paper had such a long queue of people. So I went, okay, we'll come back to Paper. And I went to see Chavo, and Chavo was there, and I went up to Chavo, and I paid the money to his wee assistant person. And um, Chavo was, like, organizing his T-shirts and his merch, and he had it all laid yeah. out in these boxes. And uh, he was folding all of his T-shirts and that sort of thing, and I'm just standing there. And it was that really awkward phase where, like, you're waiting for him to turn around and say hello. I've paid my money, and the camera, yeah. my dad's filming it for me. And I'm just, like, standing there waiting, and Chavo's, like, doing his folding. <laughs> <laughs> And then he stands up, and I was I'm not embarrassed, but I was like, "My God, I'm so much taller than Chavo Guerrero." And uh, Chavo's just asking me like, "How I am, you know?" And he, he's just been so overly nice. And who would have thought? Now, all these years later, he's in, introduced the podcast. So that was really cool. I know what a guy. Um, and then the main event was Piper. I had to go wait in the queue. It was about half an hour in the queue. But um, have you heard any stories about people meeting Piper before? I don't think so, but I can imagine, kind of like DiBiase, I can imagine he's a bit of a hustler. I can imagine he wants to make sure that he earns his money out of it. 
Like, well, and I say that with full respect to the man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, in terms of, you know this as well as anybody, in terms of wrestling autograph signings, it can go either one of two ways, you know. Mm, either yeah. goes really badly or really embarrassing, you know. Um, you can tell the Kane that you way. give him the yeah. yeah. Or it can go really, really nice and it can go really, really well when you, you know, it's just a good experience. You're there for a few seconds. They ask you your name, you know, they take time, you know, and they, they, they smile. You know, that's a big thing. Ric Flair just mm, doesn't even yeah. look at you. Um, like I remember when I met Seamus, I walked away from Seamus going, what a lovely guy, right? Yeah, yeah. When I say Roddy Piper is the nicest man I've ever met, I ain't lying. This guy, really? mate, I'm even, he's just the most lovely, humble, respectful, caring wrestler I've ever met in my life. Um, wow. And, and you would think he was a hustler, but he didn't even look at the money, didn't question the money. Um, you just did it out of respect, obviously, because that's the deal, you know? Um, mm. And I remember standing in the queue and I don't, I think it was like a disabled guy was right up at the front at the time. And um, this disabled guy was in, his, in a wheelchair and, and Piper, who was pretty, you know, he was getting on. This was 2012 and he, Piper died in 2015, I think. So, That's you right. know, he, he straightened up by then, but he's obviously, he's a history of kind of a chaotic lifestyle. Um, Piper gets up out of his chair and walks all the way around and, and gives the guy in the wheelchair a hug and poses in, you know, with the guy in the wheelchair. And my God, I was sitting there in, in, in the queue going, I can't wait to go and meet him. You know, you get nervous when you go and meet someone because yeah, you don't know how yeah. to be. But seeing him in action and seeing him talking to these people, I was like, I can't wait to go and see him. Um, there was this guy who just shouted. I don't know why he shouted, but he just went, I love you, Roddy. Just so loud when he met him, right in his face. And Piper was just like, oh, I love you too. And like, it was so it was so lovely to see yeah. <laughs> Piper meet all these people. And I went up to him and he just he gives me this big embrace. And uh, he's just chatting away and he's asking me um, questions about like what age I was and how long I've been watching wrestling and that sort of thing. Yeah. And he notices my dad is filming. And uh, he says, he says I can't remember what he says, but he says something to my dad like, oh, are you here? Are you just maybe the cameraman or something. And my dad's like, he's just overjoyed at this because obviously my dad's been a wrestling fan of his life as well. He, he yeah. remembers watching Piper when he was younger, you know. Um, of course. So that was cool that he, he kind of uh, encouraged my dad to kind of get involved a bit more. And then uh, he puts his arm around me and he kind of does this kind of like Piper-esque hot rod grill, like sort of grill. And he's kind of like, like making this noise. <laughs> and then the picture of me and him, I've got this big cheeser on and he's kind of like making like this sort of like gritty face sort of thing. Um, he's in total character. So definitely the, the nicest wrestler I've ever met was uh, Roddy Piper and, and probably the That's best amazing. experience of an autograph signing was him. That's a beautiful story. Like, and it's it's great because there's such it's such a kind of mishmash of different encounter types of encounter, like from DBS, yeah. the hustler, to to Tonka with being just weird, Chavo being nice, and then like this that that Piper is just really heartwarming. I, I you know I I feel like I need to you know excuse myself for assuming that just Piper would have fall fell into that no, kind no, of no. No. hustler category, but like what a lovely story, and it just makes it seem even more tragic that he he left us too soon. Yeah. I'm going to actually... Have you got your phone there? I do, yeah. I'm going to send you the picture of me and Piper and I want you to get your reaction. I've never seen this picture. This is weird because like, I've known you for so long and I think I knew that you'd met Piper. I think I had that in the back of my mind somewhere. I didn't know about the, the Tonka. That blew my mind. Tonka's um, like, you want to get a picture like this? <laughs> right, there you go. You can see what I mean there. Oh, Chris, that's a lovely picture. Hey, he looks in good nick. See what you I mean can... about his face? Yeah. Oh my god! What he's kind of like he's kind of like making a sort of growl. He's kind of like in case like like trying to be in character. It's brilliant. 
yeah dude, dude i hope everyone listening to this can can get to see this picture it's a lovely lovely photo it's a bit younger uh, than Bruno. Bruno. I had a CM Punk top on and my long hair. God, my old glasses. Yeah, you know, you're you're full on teenager there. Uh, like, uh, and he's wearing a Rolex. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> looks good, doesn't he? Looks good. Looks he, looks, he looks good, Nick. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't think he would he would meet such an untimely uh, ending. That's a shame. But oh, that's a that's a lovely, very heartwarming picture. Where where was that? I was in Perth. Um, right. In August of 2012, so and then after we went to the show, that kind of leads into the the main crux of this episode is part two of our live event stories, our favourite stories of going to see the wrestling live, and uh, a few of us after that, I remember going to HMV in the Perth Mall, and I bought the ECW unreleased DVD uh, that day at HMV, and uh, we went and put it in the car and then went to the arena for the show, and it was in like a bigger arena for like sort of that time. But because of like like Scottish wrestling took off in around 2014, 15 sort of time, which I guess we'll get into later. But around this time, there wasn't really much of a scene for people to go and see, um, other than you know ICW was kind of getting up some momentum and that sort of thing. Um, but this yeah. was a total unknown company, and it was a pretty big venue. It was a bit like the SECC or even like the the Kelvin Hall, maybe like so they yeah. had like tiers and, and different sort of levels of seating on the floor and that sort of thing. And uh, in terms of, uh, I didn't know any of the wrestlers. I guess they just brought in a good crowd because Piper was going to be there. And Piper came yeah. out on the show and, and cut a promo. Um, Chavo wrestled on the show against someone I've never heard of before. And uh, I remember him cutting a promo after the match. And uh, he, he's asking the timekeeper, he's like, what's the name of the company? <laughs> and the guy's like, SWE. <laughs> and Chavo goes on the mic and he goes, it's great to be back here in SWE. What you doing and he then go on to say that it was then best wrestling industry that he'd ever been in. Then Scottish wrestling entertainment. Yep. So, um, yes, yeah, so that was cool. And then the main event was the Booker, who I can't even remember his name. I don't even know who he was. He was he was the world champion and he wrestled Tatanka. And uh, yes. Tatanka thought he was in England, I think. And he just kept shouting, shut up, you English people. And uh, That's good. people were just laughing and saying, you don't even know where you are. And people are going, we are Scottish. Um, which was a very popular <laughs> chant that night, but yeah, in terms that kind of led into you know a, a funny wrestling event story. I had no idea who any of the wrestlers were. There was like a there was like a ladder match in there that was cool. Um, I think maybe Noam Dar was on the show. I think that was the only name I knew. Um, but it was cool right. seeing Piper in the ring, like doing a promo and you know coming out to the music and wearing the kilt and all that, and then of course uh, getting to meet him earlier in the day. So that's my first story, and combined with me to wrestle this week. Sweet, beautiful, beautiful story. Beautiful story. You give us another uh, funny story from a live event. Oh, dude! Like, first of all, I'm really happy that we've come back to do a part two for this because we. I left the last one thinking that there was so much that so many more shows that we were lucky enough to be to. You know, so I'm, yep. I'm glad that we're doing this. Um, since since this is the Chavo special, I feel like I need to go back to a show that I mention without fail every week, and that's Rebellion 2001. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm in build them up. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. Like, uh, so if you've never heard our show before, if this is your first time listening, uh, one of my my first ever live wrestling experience was when I was ten, and I was at the UK only pay per view uh, Rebellion 2001. The WWF would do these twice a year, Rebellion and Insurrection, uh, and I spoke more about it a few weeks back when we did the first part of this. But you're absolutely right. Um, one thing that kind of bothered me for years was that I was in the same like building as Chavo Guerrero, but I never saw him live because that was all we watched all of that in the Titantron. 
right. and even though he was in England to record that, he he didn't have a match that night. He was never out. So, um, if you've never seen Rebellion two thousand and one, folks, he, Bill DeMott and or Hugh Morris as he was known then, uh, yeah. and Chavo Guerrero Junior as he was known then, um, are doing interviews and they're trying to interview the divas and with disastrous results and they get kicked out of their dressing room and it's actually really quite funny stuff. And it would seem, just seemed like a good excuse to get these two guys on the show. And it was one of those things that made me feel bad that, you know, like I was gutted that I'd never seen him in the flesh. I used to put a lot of stock in that. If you've seen them in the flesh, that's different, you know? And I felt the same way yeah. about like Vince McMahon because he was there that night, but he didn't come out to the audience. He, we only ever saw him on the Titantron. Um, uh, and, you know, as it happened and as we'll maybe get into, I, man- I did manage to get the opportunity to see Chavo wrestle a few times in the years that followed. And I'm really grateful for that because the guy, the guy is a legend and uh, a great wrestler to this day. And like, did you know that Chavo does the all the, the stuff for Glow, the Netflix series? Yeah. Does all the training yeah, yeah, that. That's amazing. That sort of thing. Yeah. That's awesome. But. That then leads me to another story about Rebellion 2001, which I know it's maybe a bit of a cheat because I've already spoke about the show, but it's a funny one, I think. Um, so, like, I was gutted that I never saw Chavo live, even though he was there and we watched him in the Titantron. When I got back from Manchester and I got to the playground on the following Monday, okay, because Rebellion 2001 was on a Saturday, so, like, we drove down that day, went to the show on Saturday night, then drove back on the Sunday. Um... Like kids were like, like I think I said a few weeks ago, it was the only time I've ever felt cool. And kids were asking me, "Oh my god, what was this match like? What was that like? How big does this guy look in real life?" And then one kid yeah. said to me, "How cool was it to see Vince versus Shane?" And I went, "What?" He went, "How cool was it to see Vince versus Shane?" And then I realized that on the actual pay per view, they show a recap of the previous Raw, and on the yeah. previous Raw, Vince fought Shane in a rematch. From WrestleMania, that's right, and that's the same role that Kurt Angle joins the Alliance. And this guy in the playground thought that that had happened on the show, but for whatever reason, on the pay per view, they just trimmed it and showed a packaged version of it. Yeah. So the kid says, "What was it like seeing Vince versus Shane?" And I said, "It was really, really cool. It was so cool to see the chairman in the flesh." <laughs> I lied. I lied about it, and I lied to my brother about it as well. So, as far as like that one kid and I think my older brother were concerned, I, I've seen Vince McMahon in the flesh. I never have. I've seen Shane, but I've never seen Vince. Uh, and so, like, uh, so that that was a, a weird thing. Like, but, but of course, half the roster were away at another show at that time. So yeah. I thought for my first contribution to this like main body of the podcast, I'd go back to Rebellion and just share a bit of the Chavo love because Chavito was there. But I didn't get to see him in the flesh that night. But those skits were really funny. They were great. I just, I, I had, I loved Lita so much. Like when I was younger, I thought she was really cool. And then as I got older, I liked her for other reasons. And now I just respect her for everything that she's done in the business. But like um, that, that whole thing when they're trying to break into the locker room is so funny. Um, yeah. And I love watching it back, you know, because because Lita was more over than almost anybody in the company, you know. So yeah, she was so hot at that point, and you know, like, and I, I mean that in terms of popularity, but obviously, like, you know, she was she was attractive for many reasons yeah, yeah. at that time. That was part of the attitude of WWF, wasn't it? Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, that's a that's great. I always love your rebellion stories. I can't wait to we do a whole episode on rebellion. We can break down the show. That'll be fun. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, actually, one of my mates, Fraser, who has just started his own podcast called the Peace and Nonsense Podcast. So go check that out if you can. Ooh, I'll give that a listen. And uh, 
he uh, he has just watched through all of 2001 just over the past week. He's working from home and he's had 2001 pay-per-views on the TV. And I was like, oh, it's such a good such a good way to watch them and such a good sort of amount of quality entertainment to watch whilst working, you know. Um, yeah. Which reminded me of a story to tell for this next part of the episode, where I'll talk about the first time that we ever got a TV show here in Scotland for a major wrestling company. And it was the TNA Impact tapings in January right. 2014, right? Yes. So, uh, for those people who don't know, in Glasgow, in Scotland, the arena that the wrestling would attend was called the Brayhead Arena. And looking back now, it's a really, really small venue, but at the time, it didn't seem like that. Um, it seemed like that was the biggest venue that we had, and, you know, it's probably the wrestlers go there, so it must be a big deal. But then, in uh, late 2013, there was a new arena built here in Glasgow called the Hydro. And actually, the first band to ever play the Hydro was Alter Bridge. But, you know, I digress. Um, <laughs> it was uh, my first ever concert there as well. Um, Excellent. So the first time the wrestling was going to be there was the next time, you know, a wrestling company was coming over. And that would be that January, the following January, January 30th, 2014. Nice. And uh, it was announced that it was going to be the TV tapings. It's the first time Glasgow ever got tv tapings and it was such a big deal and it felt really it big it was yeah and yeah. tna at that time was doing really well you know 2014 was probably their last really big year you know in terms of being tna yeah. um and on that show we had cut angle and samoa joe versus ec3 and magnus which was really cool samoa joe wrestled mm-hmm. bobby Roode on that show uh, austin aries was the x division champion and there was like a money in the bank cash in from djz who cashed in to try and uh, take, get the X Division title, but Aries ended up beating him, and Aries wrestled that whole match in like jeans and a black shirt, which I thought was really cool. So it was nice. a really fun show. But the main event of that show was that it was going to be they were going to make TNA history, and they were going to announce that there is a new investor coming to TNA. Oh and, yeah, uh, there's a new owner that's going to come in and save the company, and it's going to be revealed. That person is going to be revealed in Glasgow, Scotland. And when they announced that on Impact, I just about had a heart attack. I was like, really? We're going to get like this big moment and like one of the biggest moments that everybody in the wrestling world is going to be talking about because it's like this big storyline moment in TNA. And uh, I was all nervous and I was wondering who it was going to be and people were making kind of like predictions and that sort of thing. And I remember sitting in my seat and just like calling out random names saying it was going to be Sting or it was going to be The Undertaker or whoever. Um, yeah. And then the, the music plays. And it's obviously, it's not the same theme song as the, the WWE song, but it's like a sort of clock ticking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and like for some reason, this is the way my mind goes. If people have been listening to the show the past few weeks, you'll know how obscure my wrestling knowledge can be sometimes. And uh, any time I heard that kind of clock ticking, I immediately thought of MVP because of I'm yeah. coming, right? That's another one Tropicana. of the songs. Uh, so I, I went to bicycle again. I'm like a Tropicana, I got the juke. So that, that wee clock starts ticking, and I just shout out in my wee sort of section. It's MVP. It is. It's going to be MVP. And people are like, what? No, it's not. It's not going to be MVP. MVP's not a big enough star. And then, of course, lo and behold, here comes MVP walking out there. And he came out with the American Wolves, who were Eddie Edwards and Davey Richards, who were my favourite independent team at the time. And they'd just signed with TNA. So they also made their you know, TNA debut in Glasgow. And it felt right. as if it was like a big TV wrestling moment happening in my hometown. And it felt really special, you know? Um, getting to see the cameras and getting to see the, the sort of TNA Titan Tron and seeing like a big moment, you know, having MVP coming out and doing his first promo as in charge of TNA was really, really cool. And then I don't know if you remember around that time in, you know, in Scottish lifestyle, but uh, because the Hydro was brand new, they hadn't tested the restaurants yet and there was a lot of food poisoning going around. That's right. And my mate Fraser, who just started the Peace and Nonsense podcast, had a curry. (laughs) 
from the hydro. Oh, no. And he oh, goes poisoning at the show. <laughs> oh, poor Fraser. God. There you go. So, um, yeah, that's it's such a, a cool idea seeing the TV there for the first time. And evidently, WWE would do it two years later. But um, it was just, it felt big the fact there was an actual TV company coming over to do their show in this brand new building. And then we got food poisoning. Nice. What an anti-climax. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, I remember, like, I wasn't at that show, but I remember the hype around it because it was going to be a TV taping and we just didn't think it would ever happen with the WWE. Yeah. Uh, so it did feel like a big deal. And then um, MVP showing up was, it was it was cool. It made it feel that little bit special that they waited to do it at a big show. And I think at that point, TNA always knew that they could rely on their UK tours to draw bigger mm. crowds because it was still more of a novelty to get them over there. And because it was on such a sort of big channel over here, it was on Bravo and it was on Challenge and it was on free TV, you know, over here. So it was just bigger than WWE yeah. sometimes, you know. Absolutely. Um, that's a great one. Uh, for my next one, I like I do want to talk about the WWE tapings here, but yeah. uh, and I hope we get to that in this episode. Um, full disclosure, Chris, I do not have uh, my my monitor is asleep, so I have no idea how much time we've been going for. So, but um, I want to just throw out a brief anecdote from because uh, I'm going through this kind of chronologically. So I'm going back a few years to 2008. And when we did part one of this, I briefly mentioned a SmackDown and ECW show I went to, which was headlined by a six-man tag of Undertaker, Batista, and Matt Hardy versus Edge, Mark Henry, and your man, MVP, Tropicana, got the juice. Um, That that show also featured uh, Chavo Guerrero facing Kane for the ECW title because it was fresh off their WrestleMania 24 squash match. Another great Chavito moment. Um, But... I remember taking like crappy pixelated videos of this show at the Brayhead Arena on my phone nice. uh, and putting them up on YouTube and having WWE take them down for a copyright claim in 2008. Right. Um, but there's one moment from the show that I wanted to just mention, and I wonder if you've ever experienced this at any WWE show that's involved a particular wrestler of a particular stature. So we had a good open to the show which had like Jimmy Wang Yang and Shannon Moore versus Hawkins and Ryder. Kofi nice. Kingston beat Kenny Dykstra. The Big Show defeated Great Khali before they had their match of Backlash. Wow. Uh, then Kelly Kelly defeated Victoria, who we mentioned earlier. And yep. then before the next match, the lights went out. and uh, But there was no circumstance. So we didn't think, no, it's not the main event. Taker's not coming out yet. But they didn't go fully out, you know that way. Like there's, there's, there's dimming the lights, but then there's turning them off with the Undertaker. Yeah. So they dimmed the lights, and like the screen was off. But because people were like taking pictures, and it was just kind of lit in general, you could see what I'm going to try and describe this, and I want you to try and visualize it, and you'll know where I'm going with this. I think about six people walked out from the tron, there from the stage, down the ramp. But going inside by going in twos, like so, two rows of three. No, no, like so, going, going, like forming a six, but they're walking in twos. So on the left side, there's three people single file. On the right side, there's three people single file. And between those those two rows of people, they seem to be holding this sort of like blanket. So there's six people each carrying a blanket in the same way, like the Undertaker's people would carry his hearse. Right, and we didn't know what the hell was going on. Like, why? Why are six people just carrying a stretched out blanket or a sheet? And then they walked right up to the edge of the ring, and then it clicked. Hornswoggle, they're ah. smuggling Hornswoggle into the ring. <laughs> 
And sure enough, the next match was Finlay and Jamie Noble versus Miz and Morrison. Right. And during the match, Hornswoggle makes a, a then comes up from under the ring, and it just totally ruined the illusion of the whole thing for me because it was so weird at first, and then I realized what they were doing was that they were smuggling a very small man under the ring by simply <laughs> dimming the lights and putting him, dragging him out under a sheet. <laughs> and I, I thought Hornswoggle lived under the ring. That's so confusing. <laughs> I know, right? It's just a uh, kayfabe is dead, man. No, I know, I know. No, it's not. It's still real to me. Damn it. That's funny though. <laughs> Um, I loved that show in 2008. Well, no, that was a different show, but I, I loved the, those house shows around that time that would finish with a big sort of multi-man tag match. That's um, right. 2007, I went to one that I kind of talked about, I think I talked about it a few weeks ago, and it was uh, the same trio in the main event. It was Undertaker, Batista, and Matt Hardy. But instead, who did they rest? I've got to note it down here. Instead, it wasn't Edge. It was uh, Great Khali, Finlay, and MVP. That was the right. trio that okay. Batista and Matt. And of course, like the baby faces won, and they all were like they were doing like each other's poses after it, which was quite funny. But then I don't know if you ever had this when you went to the Brayhead Arena, and you were parked in the kind of underground car park, like the indoor car park. Yeah. And uh, and and when if you didn't get out quick enough, you know it was always very busy. You know, a good sort of five thousand people there or whatever. And uh, I remember it was like school night, and I remember being all like sort of rebellious to the fact that I was up so late and I was still out. You know, we still had to drive home. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, and I remember being stuck in this traffic jam in the car park and all these cars just trying to get out and everybody was just stuck and it got to the point where folk were just like tooting their horns but like it got way out of hand like people were just like doing tunes on their horns and uh, for some reason it was just like I found it the, hunt, the funniest thing ever and still to this day when we go to Brayhead and we park in that car park I always think about that time and it's like it must have been so annoying it went on for about half an hour folk just like constantly pressing the horns in their car just making all this noise just to try and like pass the time and entertain themselves because they were trapped there and stuck there for like another half hour. I don't know. Do you think that's the equivalent of when you inevitably go to a wrestling show and you're impatient waiting for the show to begin so people start doing a woo? Like a woo! Oh you know, God, it's the same thing. show is crazy. I love it though, but... <laughs> Do you know, it's funny, right? Because the Brayhead Arena like introduced me to a few the kind of what feels like Scottish-specific wrestling traditions. Like, you know as well as I do, at a non-televised WWE show, whether it's the Brayhead Arena, and this still happens in the Hydro, what happens during the entrances and when the bell rings at the end of a match? Um, What do certain members of the audience of a certain oh, they all, they all, like they all, like, rush to the barricade. Yeah, and it's like, if especially if you're sitting quite far back, it's a sight to behold all these kids running. And... It seems to always happen, and the only time it's never happened, I've seen it not happen, was when they did the tapings. It's like they upped the security for the tapings, yeah. where there was just a, a, an older audience or more credibility. It definitely was an older and more smarkier crowd. And I mentioned like smarkiness, but it was those early Brayhead Arena shows that I started to become witness to smarkiness. I remember yeah. that SmackDown and ECW show for the first uh, um, that I just mentioned where they smuggled Hornswoggle and hearing people boo The Undertaker, but it was just two people near me, like a young couple, maybe in their 20s, going, Taker's overrated! And they were booing the, the good guys. Oh, for uh, God. And I, it was, I started to see that quite a bit. And like I still remember like a, a few months before being at a Raw show and there being a match between Hardcore Holly and Ken Kennedy. And uh, this one guy was giving it Yaldi for Kennedy and everyone else wanted Hardcore Holly to win. Uh, and like I know you and I both have some good stories about smarkiness that we'll hopefully get to um, in these yeah. live shows. 
Well, uh, I, I, I remember being that smart, you know. Um, yeah, same, and, same. And being kind of like, and thinking back to it now, my poor like people who I was, my friends and my family who I was there with, just screaming my head off. And um, I remember one, I think it was in 2009, I think it was the DX Invasion Tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it was it must have been 09, because that's when DX were a thing. It was like Survivor Series when they were about to do that triple threat match with Cena. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember literally cheering every, single he- cheering every single heel and booing every single face just because, you know. And uh, I was there with my mate and his dad. And uh, I remember, I, don't, I didn't know it at the time, but, my, but his dad saying to me afterwards, like, people were like looking at us and shouting at us because I was cheering all the bad guys. And I was like, really? <laughs> I, I kind of felt bad the fact that I was like doing the thing I wasn't supposed to be doing, you know? I'm not a goody two-shoes anyway, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. We all go through that phase. Uh, I'm kind of thankful that by the time, like, I go, I went through and got over that phase like between Rebellion 2001 and my next Amer- like WWE show after mm. that, which was not till 2007. By that point, I right. just got over the over the hill of it at 16. So, uh, but I like like you and I both know we've we've both been witness to it quite a lot. Um, who's next? I haven't, I've lost track of who's next. Um, Goldberg, I don't know. But, you know, who's next? <laughs> I'll I'll do a quick one. It was in uh, 2010, I believe, and it was a SmackDown show. The main event was Big Show versus Kane. You can imagine how exciting that was. Um, but it was around the Nexus sort of time, and Nexus did a run-in, which was cool. Um, but after the show, I remember going round the back of the building and seeing the buses, and uh, and and being out in the cold. And it was it was a November night, obviously. That's when they came over April and November, and this was November. And mm-hmm. uh, it was 2010, so it was it was around the time where I was just I was still in that kind of smarky phase. And uh, I managed to talk my dad into taking us round, and me and my mate and my pal Evan at the time. Uh, we were there trying to get like pictures of folk and trying to see them going into the bus and we saw some wrestlers kind of walking onto the bus and giving us waves and that sort of thing and there was one guy right at the front that was sort of screaming the most and he was a bit older than us and I was thinking that's weird um, you know we're the kids and we're not even screaming this loud you know yeah. and uh, so the guy had his hood up and he kind of after he saw whoever he wanted to see got on the bus he walked back the way and back backwards and someone said oh can I get a picture and I was like what who is it like why why is he one to take a picture with someone so then this guy just starts posing for pictures with whoever it is and I turn around and it's Greg Hemphill from Still Game <laughs> no way I know he loves I, wrestling yeah That's Victor amazing, Still Game was there at the at the barricades at the buses screaming for Batista and oh not Batista for Big Show and Kane and whoever else was there you know MVP and Drew McIntyre uh, I don't know why he was just there <laughs> He loves wrestling, like he's done so much. Like I, I've been at ICW shows where he's shown up before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like he's uh, he's a he's a he's a great guy. Um, he came to my school. Do you know that? Like oh. when I was when I was like six, fifteen or something for children in need. Like the whole cast of Still Game came to my school. What? Uh, and then yeah, well I say the whole cast. It was Jack, Victor, Winston, and Navid. Right, okay. uh, but it's still pretty cool. Like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but that, that's that's a weird. I've got a ring binder and a cabinet behind where I'm sitting with autographs, and a lot of it's wrestling autographs. But that's one of the few like non wrestling autographs in there. You know, I um, went to a PBW show in 2010, no, 11, 2011, and it was uh, like that sort of time where I was trying to be all like indie and that sort of thing. You know, and Lionheart was in the main event, of course. And uh, I was there, it was one of the occasions where I travelled around the whole country to see these guys wrestle, it was so cool. And uh, there Greg Hemphill was in the front row again, I remember I took my Still Game Season 1 DVD because he put on Twitter that he was going to be at the show. So I thought, take yeah. the DVD in case I can run into him and get an autograph. 
So I remember seeing him in the front row when a match was happening at the time and I walked over to him whilst he was watching the show and asked him for an autograph. And he was like, sure, buddy, sure. And he got up out of his seat and we walked again like behind the seats so like we weren't in front of anybody. And uh, he signed like two Chris on, on the DVD. I've still got that DVD now, right in the middle of a show. Oh, that's awesome. Nice yeah. one. Nice one. Um, I uh, want to bring up a, a, a series of shows for a reason. Uh, because in November 2013, it was a it was a weird time for live wrestling in Glasgow, because the WWE came over and uh, they they announced their tour, and they announced um, their show on the 8th of November 2013, and that's show you were at, Chris. But then after the tickets went on sale, um, or maybe it was the 12th or 13th, but basically they had one show already in November 2013 with the uh, Raw. Well, they weren't really doing the brand split, but, you know, for a certain group of superstars. They were then off to Germany the next day. But because of ticket demand, they announced a second show on the 10th of November 2013. And okay. so then they, so basically they did the first show on the 8th, which you were at, and that was headlined by Punk and Brian versus the Wyatts. Yeah, great show. Yeah. And then they came back after a, a day stopover in Germany with some of the... Sm- quote unquote Smackdown crew and I was at the November 10th one I was in the second row and uh, or no it was the fourth, third or fourth row for that one and uh, it was the exact same show you got but Punk and Brian were lower in the card and some of the other roster were there and so that show was headlined by Cena versus Del Rio for the world championship Right, uh, but for all intents and purposes, the rest of the show was the same, and Paul Heyman did the exact same routine where he was wheeled out by Billy Kidman, no less. Really, um, that was Billy Kidman who wheeled him out. Oh my god, really? Did you not know that? No. The only reason I know that is because Heyman Heyman mentioned it at the uh, Inside the Robe show that he did oh, really? in 2016. He said both nights it was Billy Kidman that wheeled me out. So Heyman comes out in a wheelchair, wheeled by by Billy Kidman, and then he gets you know beaten up by Punk with a kendo stick, as I, as I recall. Yeah. Um, but it was just weird, and uh, but because they did a night in Germany, uh, some superstars stayed in Glasgow for two nights. So my friend Jamie's pal was walking <laughs> down Argyle Street. Uh, and CM Punk walked past him. <laughs> it's oh just this God. weird thing. Because CM Punk had tweeted that morning, does anybody remember where Forbidden Planet in Glasgow is? Because That's I'm right. trying to go there. So he was wondering about Glasgow, looking for Forbidden Planet. And my friend Scott, um, not my friends, but Jamie's frat pal Scott walked past him as he was out looking for... He apparently had his like, Google Maps, I would imagine, out, like yeah. uh, looking for him. So... Uh, like that that was really weird at that time but that that was a good show i don't know how different the card was for the version of the show that you were at but we had like the usos versus hunico and camacho and we had the bellas versus aj and tamina that was the show that drew mcintyre pinned the great Kali. did he pin him yeah he body slammed him and pinned him i, I don't know if it was different that. Because in my, I've definitely, I've got the results from the show I was at, and I've got McIntyre defeats the Great Cali, uh, and it was just notable because Drew wasn't winning matches at that point. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't, I don't have that at all. I remember uh, Jinder Mahal being on the show, and uh, I remember him like uh, there was like a sort of backstage area where we were sitting, but like, uh, like just getting to the side, not the real backstage area, but like one of the sort of foyers or whatever. And uh, Jinder came out at those, at those doors and just stood and watched the whole show. Um, right, but, like kind of right beside us, we were on the, the sort of tiers, and obviously I wasn't close enough to speak to him. But like he was just there, and I remember taking a picture of him, 
they pretty much standing next to me, which was cool. Um, a couple more, I guess. We're running on long again, but that doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> this is, uh, in terms of my favourite independent show I've ever been to, and in terms of my favourite sort of um, ICW show I ever went to, it was in November 15, 2015, and it was at the SECC, and it was Fear and oh, Loathing. Yeah. Did, were you at this Great one? Great show. Yeah, I was there. I think everybody was there. It was, um, we, ICW sold out uh, the SECC, which was where WWE ran in 2002, so it was obviously a big deal at the time. And they sold out 7,000 seats or something two weeks in advance, which yeah. is crazy when you think about it. And it wasn't seats, it was 7,000 tickets. But it was crazy to think about. But you had uh, Mick Foley was going to be on the show. He was he was like the sort of um, special commissioner. And uh, Rhino was on the show. Rhino wrestled Joe Coffey. There was a steel cage match advertised between BT Gun and Wolfgang. And I think they recreated the Edge and Christian finish from Rebellion 01. That's right. I think that was their first ever cage match as well in ICW. Yeah, that's or right. maybe their second. I can't remember. It was They hadn't done many at that point. And then the main event was Grado versus Drew McIntyre or Drew Galloway for the ICW World title. And, uh, you know, you, you hear these names like Mick Foley's on the show and Rhino and Beatty Gun and Wolfgang and like, these people are like big names, you know. Why would the main event be main evented by Grado of all people? And this is, I can't really put into words the whole Grado thing in ICW and how much it was a sort of connection, a wrestling connection with uh, the audience and with the ICW fan base and with the ICW product itself where Grado literally just became our guy. And yeah. I don't understand it. Well, it's just been a great performer in Grado, but also Drew being such a great bad guy at the time. And they had this match, and I swear to God, even to this day, I've not felt energy like that before in an arena. Like, obviously, we get the house shows, you know, and they're fine. The house shows are great because it's just, like, guys able to go out and have fun. But this was, like, the biggest show in all of these guys' careers. And uh, this match was the biggest match in Scottish wrestling history in front of 7,000 people in this big venue. It was being broadcast wherever it was being broadcast, like filmed on whatever uh, streaming service they were on at the time. Uh, there was Pyro. Uh, Drew McIntyre had a Psychodalic play a song live. And funnily enough, I've, I've kind of met the David guy a bunch of times in my travels. And I've said to him a bunch of times saying like, oh, that was brilliant. See, when you did that performance for Drew, that was brilliant. And he's like, I know you told me that before. <laughs> I remember last week I talked about being thankful for live musical performances and wrestling shows. There's a good example. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. Being alive, that was really cool. But then Grado comes out, man, and the place was just absolutely electric. And they had this match. I don't even think it was that great of a match, but it was just a special sort of vibe in that arena. And it was it was mental. I've not been a part of something like that since or before. Um, just standing there and feeling the buzz and feeling an arena kind of shaking was absolutely unbelievable and it's, it's one of my favorite wrestling show memories ever i honestly think that was icw's peak like yeah. i've been to many shows since and I, I i'm still a huge fan of what they do but i feel like they were on a real hot streak at that point with like their shows getting bigger and bigger and their documentaries on bbc and it just seemed like a natural conclusion for them to kind of wrap up that year's storylines at the secc it felt like such a big deal that they were finally moving. Like before then, the biggest show they'd done was at the ABC, which was a, a big enough venue in its own right. And I missed yeah. the ABC dearly. It was a venue oh, in Glasgow yeah. that uh, sadly burned down. But, uh, you know, ICW ran the, that show, the SECC. And I remember the, the moment that Grado got the victory, just I literally jumped and hugged Robert in the same way that you would see people do in the audiences 
like an attitude era like pay-per-views yeah. you know what i mean like it was a great moment and you knew that would be the result but predictability is okay sometimes in wrestling and if it's executed yep. in the right way uh and you know it's such a kind of contrast because that was what was the date for that in 2015 that was november 15th so 10 days before that you and i were at the hydro uh, and those oh, yeah. big seats for WWE, and that's when we heard those smarky kids. And that was a great show, but the atmosphere was nothing close to the electricity of that ICW show. I've got the match card for that here. Do you want to know? Have you got it there? I've got it too, from November 5th. Yeah, Reigns and Bray Wyatt in the main event. That's right, that's right. And uh, do you remember that, like, Del Rio wrestling Fandango, but that at that point his music just the music stopped working and we couldn't hear like the the That's the microphone right. under the ring and we couldn't hear any of the music. Yeah, and it was the first time I saw Kevin Owens and I thought that was a really big deal. He wrestled Ryback for the Intercontinental Title. Weird, weird match. That I'm just looking through the card right now. We you know there were some good uh, some good uh, curiosities on there. Sorry, I was going to say we got to see Babyface Jack Swagger. That. <laughs> That's right. The thing that stands out in my memory from that show, though, are those kids. So, I mean, do, can you do the honours and explain what was so hilarious about that night for us? I can't even remember. We were just sitting there minding our own business, enjoying the show. And um, were they right beside you or were they in front of us? I think they were, like, in front of us and to the left. And what this brings up is the, what you said earlier. Like, we were all that smarky kid once. And these boys must have been, what, I don't know, 13, 12, maybe younger? Uh, I don't no. know. Absolutely. They were about seven. Oh, were they? Even, yeah, that made it funnier. <laughs> I remember being like, they're far too young to be saying anything like this. They were basically saying, and during the Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt main event, which was great, by the way, talking about how uh, Roman Reigns shouldn't be being pushed because uh, he's really holding down the talent of Bray Wyatt and uh, John Cena ruined the business. And Vince only but like, guys. You have to hear it in their voice. It was like, eh, you know... Roman Reigns, he's just holding down everyone and, and John Cena's ruining the business. <laughs> I don't know why, but Vince McMahon just hates us. <laughs> Vince, Vince just loves Reigns, it's not fair. <laughs> but the thing is, I could empathise with it so much because I remember like reading Power Slam at 12 years old or 11 or 12 or however old I was and then just, just regurgitating like smarky opinions that I'd formed from reading that magazine without giving any independent thought to it. So it was hilarious, but it was also kind of like looking into the mirror a little bit at the same time. Yeah, I have. Um, in 2015, I did a, like a vlog every single day of the year. So I have a vlog from that day. And uh, we're sitting in the nosebleeds, man. And uh, Bad News Barrett comes out. He wrestles babyface Jack Swagger. And uh, Bad News, I don't know how they got Wade Barrett wrong. He's so good. Um, oh, man. Especially Bad News Barrett. That was my favourite. And he starts cutting a promo. And he does like the Scottish impression, and he goes, uh, he says, "I can, I can now uh, predict what the conversations were like in the Scottish households this evening." And he goes, "I'm going to see the wrestling tonight, and I'm going to go and boo the English guy. I'm going to boo the English guy because he's pish." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'd forgotten all about that. And on the video that I've got of him filming, like I'm filming Barrett doing this promo, and you can just hear you go. Can you say pish and PG? <laughs> <laughs> Can you? You need to send me that, mate. I, I, like, I, won't, I won't post it on the Instagram, but... Yeah. <laughs> no, I, no, I, 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 that moment you hear Glenn go, Can you say that, PG? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Oh, um, we got those seats for free that night. Uh, you, you say that again, boy? 
you need to keep an eye open to see if you can get all three tickets because I'd be done a second. Um, if 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 you do another one, then we can do the tapings to finish off. Well, let's look at my list. Um, the next one, I've got a few on my list. I could do the tapings. That was next chronologically. Um, what about NXT? Uh, I was at the NXT show in 2015. I was also there the night that the in 2017 that the Shield teamed with Triple H. Were you there? Oh, I wasn't there. I wanted to be there though. That was a cool night. Um, but the funny thing is, like they advertised this heavily because Roman Reigns was out. I think he still had the mumps at this point. Yeah. Um, and so they adver- we knew going into it that Triple H was going to be there. But then when the show started, they um they made it out as if it was going to be a surprise. And they made it so like like whoever the ring announcer was was like, and the shield with a special mystery opponent. And like literally, your website and everything has said that it's going to be Triple H. Really? And like the guy, the guy that I um, got us the tickets for the that 2015 show, um, who was my boss and an, an old job that I had, um, he had met Triple H that morning. He bumped into him at a gym. So wow. like like it was known like everyone knew Triple H was there. People there were signed for Triple H. People there were with like Triple H T shirts on. It was heavily promoted because honestly, like, if Reigns can't make it and you can't see the Shield reunite, you're not gonna not advertise Triple H being there for something yeah. so unusual. But then they made it out like I say to be this big mystery. Who's it going to be? And then sure enough, when when Rollins and Ambrose came out, Seth was like, "I had to make a phone call that I never thought I would make," and everyone's going Triple H, Triple. Like, like we know, <laughs> we know who it is. You've told us. Just bring him out. And the weird thing is, I remember being really disappointed because when he came out, he was out with just like black trousers on and his top off. But then it made sense that um, because he put on the vest and he put on the SWAT gear, but like Rollins got that for him from like under the ring. So they, yeah. they made that feel like a surprise. But you, then you think if it was to be an improvised moment that he would wear the SWAT gear, why did he come yeah. in with black trousers? Um, like corporate but, you know, yeah, it was a it was a good show though. Kane was on that show as well. Uh, Matt Hardy, bet the Miz, uh, uh, Asuka opened the show by beating Mickey James. But the, kind of like when you saw Sheamus at that signing, the you know the show started. Everyone was happy. The first entrance was Asuka's and her music. And kidding you not, it played for about five minutes. I don't know if she had like some sort of like wardrobe malfunction backstage or if she like had to go to the toilet but something stopped her from coming out for about five minutes who asked her music was playing yeah ask her i love um, her theme song that was a brilliant song and carrie sane doesn't even better in the recorder but um <laughs> don't suppose you saw that episode of raw yeah um, the only other highlight from that show uh well there was it was a great show all in um but finn balor stole the show against samoa joe uh, wow! And uh, before the show, he took the microphone and he was like, um, "It's great to be back in Glasgow." This is a terrible. Um, I can't do the <laughs> Irish thing. Like I, I, I need to like say where, where, where Okay, I've got it. Um, so uh, it's a, uh, it's great to be back here in Glasgow. It doesn't feel like too long ago I was kicking arse in Sucky Hall Street. <laughs> nice. So yeah, that was it, and then of course we had uh, the 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 Shield slash Rollins Ambrose with Triple H, who faced off against Bray Wyatt, Sheamus, and Cesaro in the main event. Awesome. But I feel like so that that was a nice wee highlight for me. But it would make sense for us to talk about the tapings to close things off. Okay, actually, let's do it. But I just quickly want to mention the NXT one in, in twenty fifteen. Um, that mm. that show was amazing. Do you remember the mm. energy in that show? It was. Um, it was that like, was, it was like, like nothing else. 
it was like peak NXT for me. Like I just I, I thought NXT was the best at the time, and it was the best. I had everybody. The main event was uh, Finn Balor and Sami Zayn, and Sami Zayn hadn't come back from his shoulder surgery yet, so That's he right. was just kind of like getting the the rust off. And Finn Balor was in the ring, and uh, people just started chatting ICW, and Finn started doing like the Grado walk <laughs> in the ring. <laughs> yeah. It was brilliant. Uh, and on that show, we had uh, Enzo and Cass got to do the whole Enzo monologue, which was amazing. I can't believe they got yeah. that wrong as well. Uh, Asuka wrestled Alexa Bliss. Uh, the revival right. with American Alpha and one of the best tag team matches I've ever seen live. Um, Bailey wrestled Emma, heel Emma. Yeah. And uh, that was yeah. cool seeing, seeing Bailey uh, right before she became immensely popular. I guess that was just pretty much at the time, but I mean, and you know, I guess we'll talk about that in a, min- in a minute for the Raw show. But um, that was funny. <laughs> I've got a note down in my notes here that we were sitting behind this American couple. And uh, Baron Corbin comes out and he challenges anybody on the NXT roster, past or present. And Adrian Neville comes out. Yeah, and, big uh, surprise. Corbin versus Neville. And uh, we're all cheering Neville and he gets this big pop. And this American couple in front of me are like, why are you cheering the English guy? I thought you hate the English. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but that honestly, NXT that time, I wanted to do a whole episode on NXT that t- around that time because it was the best. It was, oh, I can't yeah. describe it. Was like it was like you know the way people talk about ECW in the, in the late nineties about how yeah. it was like a revolution and it kind of hit all the spots as a wrestling fan. That was NXT in, in twenty fifteen, and that show was incredible. Yeah, absolutely, that was a. I have really fond memories. I was I had really good. Jamie and I went to that show and we had really good floor seats. And I actually like knew Balor was going to close the show because he was champion, but I had no idea who his opponent would be. I had lo- avoided any spoilers from the cards in that tour. So I had no idea that Zayn was going to be there. So when his, and this is the thing, because I'm pretty sure Samoa Joe re- wrestled Apollo Crews that night. That's so right, I'd yep. assumed it would be Joe and Balor in the main event. So when that match happened, I thought, who's Balor going to wrestle? Is it going to be somebody from the main roster? What, what's going to be? Um, and then when Zayn's music hit, I went mental because I was so delighted that I was going to get to see him wrestle. And of course, much like yourself, I would get to see him a few more times in years to come. But that was special that night. It really, really was. Let's say uh, close. This is now, we've broke the record for our longest episode ever. But let's it, finish it on the Raw and SmackDown TV tapings in 2016. Please take it away. That was, uh, that was monumental for Glasgow fans i think in general because we'd had the house shows for years but we never thought we'd ever get tv and when they announced they were taping like they were going to do raw and smackdown it was a no-brainer you had to be there and i went to both nights um and you myself robert jamie and evan all went and sat in the same row together for the raw we were i would say we're about seven or eight rows back something like that Um, yeah yeah good seats Good seats, and then I was there the next night, and I had nosebleeds at SmackDown. And I have a couple of stories, like what, like one for each night, if if you will, if time will permit. But for me, like that night, will like it was just the novelty of it being raw and seeing the set and everything was excellent. And there's so many memorable things, and it's one of those things for me, like kind of like Rebellion 2001. You go back and you watch, and it's not the best episode of Raw at all. Yeah. But because you were there and it was fun it, it was excellent i remember evan marking out to um uh, primo and epico when they were doing the uh the tourism gimmick what was it? <laughs> the the holiday results yeah yeah like that well i like that gimmick too um i remember the new day bringing out the bagpipes and it was, uh, was francesca's great. cousin agnes um but i think what like fans all over the world remember that raw for is hey bailey i want to know will you be my girl 
Uh, it was crazy. It was just, it felt like you were there. I, I feel like it was a raw moment and that was the only raw moment we got. You know what I mean? Like it was a great show. Yeah. Good show. Like obviously Noam Dar showed up that night for his debut and that was excellent as well. Yeah. Um, I'll talk about that in a minute. But the Hey Bailey was, and the thing is, like, you can watch it on YouTube and on the network now, but even that is, I think, edited and doesn't do justice to just how raucous and how persistent it was for being there that night. Uh, so if you've not seen the episode of Raw, like, all the women's Raw Survivor Series team are in the ring, they're doing this segment, and they're trying to go along and have Charlotte cut a promo, and everyone's singing hey bailey to the tune of hey baby i want to know if you'll be my girl and you can uh, collab with me on my cd dude i uh yeah definitely i'm there i sang my heart out because i am still a huge bailey fan but that was like peak bailey fandom for me i met her that day um because wow. i'm a creep and I, I met her outside the the hotel she was staying at um uh that's another <laughs> like that's a story in itself because i met a few other wrestlers that day uh but like I, i'm not gonna get into that now we don't have time and it deserves its own meet a wrestler segment but i was barely mad at that point uh and i i just remember uh singing my lungs out and uh, I'm keen to hear your memories of it like in a second but I just remember I, I don't know if you picked up on this but after that segment like they went to commercial or something and Michael Cole went back to the news booth but he actually went over the barrier and walked past right past us and then right, walked yeah. looped around the other way and he had the biggest scowl in his face I think he was raging that the segment had gone to crap and he was like the guy trying to control it really wow I, don't, I, I remember him walking past but I don't remember him being all upset about it um my favorite moment, uh, there's, there's three favorite moments from that show. I'll try to keep it short. Um, the first one was the fact I didn't expect Pyro to happen. Yeah. Um, but we got an episode of Superstars beforehand. And uh, Neville wrestled, who did Neville wrestle? Titus O'Neill, was, was it? Yeah, it was Titus, yeah, because it was Make Titus Great Again. That's right, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, and, that um, was Darren Young. That was Darren Young, sorry, his oh, tag yeah, partner. Yeah, Darren Young wrestled Primo or something. Um, who did Darren Young wrestle? It doesn't matter, it's fine. But um, so Neville rest and Neville got his pyro on superstars, and I just wasn't expecting it. I remember turning around to you being like, No way! Like, <laughs> like <laughs> in pyro. And then the raw intro played, and it was like the opening pyro of Raw. And it was I couldn't believe it. I've always wanted this, like, I've always wanted that moment, you know, being in the crowd at Raw, the intro plays, the pyro goes off, and the cameras are panning around the audience. I've always wanted to be there for that moment, and it was like a dream come yeah. true. And in there in my hometown, I thought maybe I'd have to go to New York or something to see it, you know. But it was it was right there at my doorstep. So that was moment number one. Then Stephanie McMahon comes out, who I didn't expect to be there. And that was she, cool uh, to see her. She starts introducing the Survivor Series team and the ovation Kevin Owens got was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then Kevin Owens comes out as the champion, and before he even gets to the ring, Jericho comes out and it was even louder. And I remember yeah. just like not expecting to be there, and I've got a good video of, of that ovation. And you just hear us just going, yes, <laughs> Jericho's here. <laughs> uh, so that was a good moment. And then probably my favorite moment of the night was uh, was the Cruiserweight thing. And that's when 205 Live had just started and they'd introduced the Cruiserweight division and they were taking it seriously for about two months, which was a yeah. shame because it would uh, they'd stuck with that. That's, that's the issue with WWE. They just don't stick to things. If they'd no, stuck they're so impatient. But uh, so the adverts for this had been on for weeks for like the new cruiserweight division and they showed like people who were going to be involved like Brian Kendrick and Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan and people like that and they showed videos of Noam Dar 
But Noam Dar hadn't been on the show yet. He hadn't been on yeah. Raw. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe he got sacked or whatever. And then I was just sitting watching Raw one night, like maybe a month out, and he was still in the sort of promo packages. And I was like, you know what would be brilliant? Imagine they kept him and they debuted him in Glasgow. That'd be like dream stuff. Like imagine that was going to happen. Like, that, that would have been obviously it's not going to happen because Noam's not a big star. They're not going to invest all that much time in him. And then the, the match comes and it's a tag match. And Brian Kendrick was this partner and Brian Kendrick's the champion and he came out first. And then Jojo gets on the mic and says, and Brian Kendrick's tag team partner. And it was just like, obviously the moment happened so quickly that in my head it happened so sort of slowly and it kind of played itself out. And I was like, is this going to be Noam Darley? Is he actually going to make his debut? Is he going to do what I predicted all those months ago? (laughs) And it turns out it was. And Noam Darley came out, the place went mental. He got pyro. Um, he, he looked brilliant in the ring, and just because he was like he was like one of our guys. And two months earlier, I was at the garage with my two pals watching his last match. We were obviously front row at the garage, and he was getting all yeah, emotional, and I was he was wrestling and Andy Wilde. Were you there too? Yeah, I was at Noam's send off night. Yeah, 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 he yeah. Was there, it was great. And I, I remember like thinking, like brilliant, like he's going to be in WWE soon. But it was just two months later, he was on Raw, and we were there. You know, I've got this sort of um, montage video I've got from 2016. And uh, it's like it cuts from Noam doing his ton on the top rope and ICW in his last ICW match to two months later being in the Hydro doing it, you know, um, which is really, really cool. So that was one of my favorite wrestling experiences ever, not just the Noam Dar thing, but the just the whole Raw show, dreamlike stuff, you know, being at a Raw taping. And then SmackDown was cool too the next day. We saw Shane McMahon that day, um, yeah. which was really cool. Daniel Bryan was, was really good. Cool. It, it was, and like um, I, I remember the Raw show feeling really bad because Mark Dallas was sitting a few rows in front of us and people kept That's bothering right. him for pictures for the That's show. That's right, yeah. Um, um, but you mentioned the SmackDown show. All I'll briefly say is that Robert and I went to that show and before we decided to buy New Day unicorn horns... Hang, hang on, I, I need to stop you. I need to stop you. I don't, I've got this mixed up. I'm sure I've got this mixed up. We were with you with this show. It was me, you, Robert, and I think Evan... You were probably with us, but I think you, I'm, I'm I think you were with us because, but, because um, you bought the tickets for Raw and we bought the tickets for SmackDown. Remember? That's that's right. But Jamie only came to Raw. This is where the confusion right, was. Right, right, right. I was confused. So, yeah. I remember sitting oh. with you. I've got a video of AJ Styles coming out, and I think I can hear you talking. That's right. Yeah, that's right. No, you're right. I've totally kind of misremembered that. But yeah, Robert and I bought unicorn horns. That's right. Um, and we because <laughs> right. we love the new day and. Uh, Robert bought a Money in the Bank briefcase. Uh, now, the unicorn horns, folks, for that cheap plastic horn, bearing in mind, like, they sell stuff like this outside the hydro, like, all the time at these things, like, at the Iron Brew Carnival and stuff. They were, like, £15 a pop. And Robert, do you know how much Robert paid for a Money in the Bank briefcase? Um, £7. £50. Oh, my God. So, collectively, on top of the ticket price, we'd spend 80 quid on merchandise. For two horns and a briefcase. Wow. So you can imagine how delighted I was when my unicorn horn was stolen by the five year old sitting in front of me. <laughs> so That's for so context, we're, we're sitting out in the nosebleeds and uh, these boys are in front of me. And at one point, and the thing is, like, they, they knew they were on Raw, so we'd seen them the night before. They weren't at the SmackDown show, but we wanted to get them and take the picture of us doing the hoo, hoo, hoo thing. Yeah. You know? uh, and so we did that. And like, but I wanted to keep the horn as a memento, like, and of course, yeah. uh, I, uh, I put it like at my feet next to my beer, I think, and I must have kicked it down, and the wee Wayne picked it up, and he, and then all of a sudden, the boy in front of me was wearing a unity, a, a unicorn 
try that again. A new day <laughs> unicorn horn. Uh, and I got so annoyed about this. And That's I right. went to talk to him. I actually said to the boy, where did you get that? And he went, I just got it. <laughs> and I went, are you sure? And then by this point, the dad's starting to look at me. And, and, and then I just went, it's fine. And I left it and I chickened out of it. I was so furious yeah. that I'd spent 15 quid on this unicorn horn. And I had it stolen oh from me God. by a child. So... <laughs> But then it was kind of a humbling moment because you really should be the children that are buying the plastic aluminum yeah, 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 yeah. like unicorn horns and not the the man who was at that point twenty five years old. So I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember you sitting there going, "He's got my horn. He's got my horn." <laughs> oh oh man, so that's my times, lasting memory of SmackDown and live wrestling. What can I say, Chris? It gives us these memories, good and ill together. We have to go, when, when everything's back to normal, we have to go to the next show available, you know, just because, I mean, all the memories that we've been talking about on the show here on Then Wrestling Connection has made me <laughs> want to go to live wrestling again. But also, because it's been so long, we should totally, like, yeah. just go to the next one that's available. <laughs> Can we just clarify that we are called The Wrestling Connection? But, uh, yeah, uh, no, you're absolutely right. This has left a niche, and we, you know, maybe one day we'll tell a story of the the last show that we were at before lockdown started. And I, I hope, yeah. Chris, you know, uh, I hope that those days are back soon. I hope we can do it because, uh, as we always say in the show, uh, this world, we get divided by a lot of things, but wrestling's a weird thing that we can all kind of connect to. And I think when we come back out the other side of this lockdown stuff, we'll probably need that more than ever. And yep. whether the first show that we go to is a Daft Wee show run by Grado or if it's a big WWE production, it'll feel really fun and really special. And I hope you and yeah. I do, and I hope you and I then do a podcast where we break the whole damn thing down. And we'll review it. Yeah, sounds good. That's the plan. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted. Uh, this yeah, has sorry, been dude. the longest podcast ever, but that's good. I mean, that's that's the point of these ones, and it's just to let it drag and just let it, let it flow itself, you know? Um, but again, lovely to hear your stories, obviously, because I've been a part of some of them, but there's so many that I don't know um yeah and you know it's always good to give, give us a reminder oh no i did the match of the week this week's uh recommendation it was so long ago this week's uh, recommendation <laughs> is uh, no mercy 2007 see three wwe title matches in the one show even if you just check out those matches then do that you don't need to watch the whole show but it's such a fun show to watch in a sort of um match by match sort of way to do it so check that out this week if you can and again as always let us know what you've been watching if it's either obscure or if it's every week to week stuff, we don't mind. We want to chat wrestling. We want to chat wrestling with whoever uh, out there. You know, if if you've got us on Twitter at WrestleConnect One, Instagram at WrestleConnection, Facebook.com slash the Wrestling Connection, and you can get us on YouTube just by searching us the Wrestling Connection podcast on YouTube and give us a subscribe on there. Please subscribe to us and follow us wherever you found us in terms of the actual podcast outlet that you're using. And uh, leave us a review. We'd love to hear some feedback from all of you out there who have made it through this long podcast here for this uh, this brand new episode. Episode 7 is in the books. And uh, anything else you want to say to the lovely listeners? Uh, simply, thank you. Thank you, Chavo. Uh, we yes. are not Ben Wrestling Connection. We are The Wrestling Connection. Thank you very much for listening. And goodbye.